I'm Yves Bolognini. I'm the director of the Bologna Museum, and you're listening to the Scene World Podcast. Dear AJ Og Jurg Sadu Lurter, Natural League Vistil, Seed World Podcast. That's the all the Norwegian that I know. Norwegian? Yes. Nice. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> In a minute we're we're up with Robert Bernardo. He is the North American kind of like the um I don't I don't even know how you describe him. He's he's the user group guy? Yeah, he's very active in, in the user group community. Um, he's got his hands in a lot of the 64 scene in the U.S. And as you'll hear when we get to the interview part, um, there's lots of this that he he knows about and he knows the key figures in there. And he's he has something to do with a lot of it and getting his unique perspective on a lot of the different controversies and all the different the different topics and stuff through the, the past couple of years uh is really interesting so he's up in a little bit before that we, we might have a few little pieces of news not too much it's been a quiet month i think yeah so the ultimate 64 actually has shipped yes mine was shipped uh, yesterday did you get it <laughs> if it was shipped yesterday, oh, oh, today oh, I is Sunday. I, I didn't know if you meant that it had been shipped, uh, like it just left, or that you had just gotten it. Like, just like left. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that is nice. That is um, nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so if you were among the first pre-orders, you might have actually received it by now. By the time you hear this podcast. Yeah. Other bit of news was that um, Yaruntel announced, you know, he's he's working on this <clears throat> CD project from Indiegogo. Yes. Um, in, tel- oh, Indie, sorry, Indiegogo. Indiegogo? Indiegogo, yes. Yeah, in, yes, um, the, uh, tell, the me more. tell Me More, yeah. Yes, yes, and that has been delayed and delayed and delayed. And actually, he announced he's working with his brother on it. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the leading uh, music producers with... Um, um, well, music charts hits in the Netherlands and worldwide. So they are actually teaming up now to work on this. Cool. And he, he released bits of um, previews and news about new tracks on the album over the last weeks and months. So that is progressing. Nifty. And um, also the Phase 5 guy actually... Um, wrote in the Indiegogo uh, campaign that um, he he tried to work on this project alone with the keycaps and decided he can't do it. So he is teaming up okay, now with okay. the Okay, slow, slow down real quick. Um, yeah. So we're talking phase five. They were, they had a, was it a Kickstarter for uh, producing new keycaps for... Yeah, this. Indiegogo. Right, and they were producing keycaps for the 64, was it? Yes, yes. Okay, and they had all this stuff promised, the different colors and 
And while this, exactly, this, you know this what is I'm back, talking about. Yeah. This is back when they were making the first run of cases uh, with those the other the, the weird colored you know the, the bright yeah. blue and red and whatnot. And these were like yeah, 2015. Yeah, yeah, they were they were talking about making keycaps that would match some of these cases that were coming out back then. Yep, and yeah. nothing ever nothing ever happened. Nobody heard anything from them. It was just sort of like a it just sort of evaporated and and no one knew anything about it. Well, they they did updates, but irregularly. Right, and and I heard a lot of people on, I I saw a lot of people saying what what happened to this is it still a thing, and a lot of other people saying probably not. It's probably you know scrapped, and they're not going to do anything with yeah. it. But so, so now we've got updates from them from the the phase five yes, people. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and there's one guy left. He was oh he yeah this master guy actually, he was a bit uh, overwhelmed by that, and he said he totally uh, miscalculated and stuff, and all the staff he had paid, they they resigned, and uh, so he had to do this all alone, and then he figured he can't, so he's working with a business <laughs> partner. That is. Um, that is actually having a professional in in molding, which is actually what you need for the keycaps. Okay. And um, he said he 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 has he has a debt of thirty thousand euros right now. Uh, and um, and he is trying to to finish that, and he promised it will be finished. And um, and after that, after every backer got their their keycaps. He's actually planning on selling them regularly <coughs> okay. to um, to cover the loss he did. But if he's thirty grand in debt, and I, I I don't I don't know how optimistic I would be that it would be nice to have that happening. But but really, keycaps aren't a thing that we're running low on in the 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 sixty four scene. I think that. That's one of those things that even if the whole computer gets scrapped, generally the keycaps are are salvageable. Yeah, except if they are so bad that they are really moldy and stuff. You know what I would like is for someone to reproduce the uh, the boards. The boards are yeah, you know the the, the, the the keyboard, the thing that that the ah. actual printed circuit board that the keyboard sits on and makes contact with. Because in all the experiences I've had with the keyboards. It's never a issue with the keys or the mechanisms. It's always the contacts on that board getting worn away and not working well anymore. Mm. And they don't – I mean they haven't made these things in years. And I've seen some people talk about how you can um, recoat because I guess the uh, I guess the contacts have a small layer of carbon covering them to protect them and that wears off after you've hit the key you know, 70,000 times over, the, over 30 years. So I've seen some tutorials on how to recode it with stuff to help protect it again, but but it's never going to be like new again. And and if they could just make that board, and you'd think it would be simple. It's not like it's a mm. – there's no chips or anything on it. It's just a board with some wires hanging off it. Mm. You'd think that would be somewhat easy to reproduce, but no one has so far. Yeah, but also interesting to mention that a lot of, a lot of those um, – Campaigns are actually Indiegogo campaigns. 
Yeah. In contrast to Kickstarters right. that are mostly run by people who who don't run into financial problems. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, look at, I mean, look at this. Uh, tell me more. Yeah, tell. He 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 admitted he lost all the money he he got because. Did he? Yeah. I didn't hear that. The the other news is we could mention. You don't have to cut that out. Is Actually, Yaruntel got his own room in a museum, computer museum. Oh yes, at yes, at the place where he lives in Helmond. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And they they actually want to make a room. Yeah, a Yaruntel room. That's uh, that's pretty awesome. That is, that is pretty awesome. There's a picture of him if you look online. Um, yeah, we'll link to it in the podcast description, maybe. Of uh, yeah, of him hanging out in the room. Yep. So that's that is pretty cool. So did you hear about this new uh the new VCS from Atari? Yes, yes, I'm getting the newsletter. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're getting a letter the the news from Atari itself? Yes, I subscribed to that. Oh, okay. So it's a um it's a modern VCS. it's called the VCS. It looks Similar to the VCS, it's got the same sort of design to it, the same wood grain on it. Um, but it's modern. It's going to be, and, and this is kind of where it loses me a bit because it's it's x eighty six based. It's going to have. Um, you're talking about that eighty? No, no x like 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 a modern. You know, uh, 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 ah, okay. Words aren't come working in my face right now, but yeah, just like a modern x86 platform 486 Pentium. okay i i saw so i miss her i miss her yeah like a regular like a pc you know and it's gonna have steam integration and stuff like that so it's really just another you know bargain bin sort of i mean i mean i guess it'll be a powerful games platform but i'd prefer it if it was something that was unique well the thing is if it's going to be a normal platform, how much can it compete <clears throat> against Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony? Exactly right. It's it's a it's going to be a living room set top box that you can. That's just a gaming platform as opposed to your your um, you know PC or laptop or whatever you normally use to game on. That you can stick next to your Xbox and your PlayStation. But it's not. I don't. Yeah, I don't see how it's going to take a chunk out of it, other than for people that want to say they have an Atari VCS. Interesting too, because I'm not sure how this, because you know, Atari was a company back in the, back in the early '80s, and then Jack Trammell from Commodore actually took over and ran Commodore. I know. Uh, ran ran yeah. Atari rather. Um, yeah. He ran Atari from the mid '80s to I guess the early '90s. Um, and then they sort of disappeared. They were bought out and became a subsidiary of something else. And so like how, how the lineage of this, how this relates to what Atari was back then, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. Hmm. But so yeah, put a link in the description for where you can see that and check it out and maybe you want to get it. Hey, the C64 is out. I know, and um, um, I I wrote to that guy, and Darren said he will send me um, a unit. Okay, send me so a I unit. Canceled. Huh? Have him send me a unit too. 
Well, he only talked about one unit. Hmm. Um, so I canceled my pre-order on Amazon, actually. Yeah. Okay. So I hope he's really sending it. Yeah. But I guess it won't be the problem like the uh, and, and like the NES Mini. I guess he will make sure that you can get it for a while. I feel like they're having less. Um, they're not having the supply problems. I don't know if that's because. I feel like um, Nintendo purposely had supply difficulties. Like, they planned that from the beginning. Like, it was a limited number. And so when it got sold out, that was part of the draw, because everyone was, was scrambling to get them. Yeah, I guess so, too. Whereas, yeah. and, and I also feel like the the D64 being emulator-based, as we've learned, not FPGA-based, but actually based on emulators, might actually be easier to um, manufacture. So it would be easier to keep it in supply. Well, actually, I don't know how much of that is true. Okay. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yup, yup. Yeah. Okay, yeah. other news. Anyway, carrying on from that. Yes, uh, some Simbleweed Park. Mm. Um, Ron Gilbert actually announced there is a physical release now. Yes. Um, for the Wii. Yes. Wii. Which is quite nice because I remember we were discussing it with him. You know, mm-hmm. how easy or not so easy it was to convert it to the, um, to the uh, Wii. Right. But then we figured it's more it's more David Fox who takes care about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's nice. That's yeah. nice. So and uh, another classic release for the Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Hey, a, and we, a, a video game con um, tickets are, have been live now for uh, since January actually, but I don't think we've mentioned it. Um, we didn't. No, you can buy tickets a videogamecon.com. It's at a different place this year. It's at the Meadowlands Exposition Center in Secaucus. So that's a little bit more out of the way than it was before for me. But I will still try will to get there. Will you be there? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, you will still try to be there. I'll try to be there. It's not as convenient as it was because it was literally down the street from my grandma's house. So it was like, eh, we'll go there and then we'll come back and get some food and then we'll go back to the, the convention and whatnot. This is more like 45 minutes to an hour away. So, which is not too bad, still considering the bad. distances you normally try. Yeah, the, the, um, thing, the thing. What I what I wonder though is that you know it's it's a Meadowlands Expo Center, which is a very which is a large venue, but they didn't really fill the venue they had last year. You know, maybe they have special plans for this year. I I don't know. I just feel like I don't know how it's how it's going to work. It's not. Yeah. But maybe they'll be able to turn the lights off for the burlesque. <laughs> that was weird. Hey, well, what do you think about the whole uh, whole Facebook uh, leak thing? The the secure the the. I, I don't. I don't think it's a bit. It's a big thing. Seriously, you don't. No, I mean seriously. I mean. F- Facebook always had an issue, and Google isn't any better. I don't know. 
I think um, it was only a matter of time when this happened with Facebook because they've been they've been pretty loose and um, they haven't really been. I guess because this is all still emerging technology and whatnot, they haven't really been very stringent about a lot of stuff with security and with um, making sure that data isn't mined for nefarious purposes. And this is uh, probably a wake-up call to them. Will it be? Will it mean the downfall of Facebook? I don't think so. I don't think it's the downfall. No, I think it's just it's. I don't think it's going to change anything. It just might at, at the at at most it might make them reconsider how they handle data or or what you what you have to do in order to you know access that data from them. Because pretty much you could write an app and get whatever you want, and they'll approve you. You know, but now they might have more stringent uh, standards in effect. Hmm. We'll see how that happens. Yeah. I, so I, as I said, I swear this yeah. stuff. I mean, this stuff is totally. Uh, this stuff is totally listening to us and paying attention to everything that we do. I was at work a couple of weeks ago, and um, I don't. Okay, so I don't eat pork. Okay, it's not a religious thing or anything like that. I just don't like pork. And so there's no reason I would search for anything. It would not be in my search topics. I have nothing to do with anything. We were trying to cook. Um, there was a, a pork lo- a pork loin or something in the fridge, and one of my coworkers was trying to cook it. And we had a 30-second conversation of, what do I do with this? And I'm like, I don't know. Read the directions on the package. And she goes, well, you know, is it 350 or 400? And I'm like, I don't know. Started at 350, and if we need to go up, whatever. 30-second conversation about this nonsense. That night, I go onto YouTube Every single advertisement is how to cook a pork loin. Okay. Huh. So, <laughs> and and this has happened plenty of times. I mean, we I, we've done experiments with the doorknobs. Remember that? We were talking about this the one time, and we're like. We're like, what is the stupidest thing that we could think of? And so we're just sitting. I think we were sitting in bed, and we're like. Or no, I think we were on the phone, and I was like, you know, I could really use a new doorknob. And she's like, yeah, I'm interested in the kinds of doorknobs that there are, and all this stuff. I go on Amazon later that day, doorknob, 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 different locks, doorknobs. Like, like yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> like, they're so, totally listening to us. Hmm. But I guess it's capping automatic. There's no real well, person it, there. Yeah, it's not like they're they're not listening to us. They're not like recording our conversations and going through it and stuff. There's there's software that listens for certain keywords or repeated phrases and matches it up with stuff so that they can serve you advertisements. That's all it is. They're not trying to like hear you know, they're not listening on your conversations, they're just picking up data that they can No. But, um, but yeah, so they're, mm. it's weird. And I mean, you've got like, you know, you've got Siri set to be, hey, Siri. So, so as we've heard over and over again in the podcast, because she starts to answer you when you haven't said anything. Right. But she didn't answer today. No, but, but it's, it's listening at all times. Everything that you say, it's picking up and it's sending through a software filter to find those words. 
Hmm. Right. And so if you happen to be, if you happen to have your phone there and you, you know, you're talking to someone at length about something, it might be able to pick up. I don't know if Apple does that. I feel like Apple wouldn't. But, you know, I'm, but apparently I guess, you know, uh, I guess Google does because I've got mine, my, you know, the, the Google, whatever it is, basically the same thing as Siri on mine. And it's picking up my, my pork loin requests. <laughs> Okay, mm, never experienced that myself. Yeah, it's eerie. So anyway, so <laughs> having now one. Now I'm thinking about doorknobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now, now you're mm. now you're gonna go on to 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 Amazon later. It's all gonna be doorknobs, pork loin. Doorknobs, doorknobs, doorknobs. Doorknobs and Pork Loin. That's the worst children's movie ever made. Never heard of that. <laughs> it's because we haven't made it yet. All right, so. Yeah. Oh, another news, maybe. Yes. Um, uh, um, uh, Thomas Koch, um, uh, Thomas. You know, the guy that is also selling the Z64 cases, the new ones. Yeah. He actually is now selling labels cool. for, for the bottom of the cases Oh, oh in you, his you store. The, 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 like the thing on the bottom that has like the serial number and the made in yes. USA? Except, except the one you can get in the store is not with a serial number. Okay. Is it? No, not in his store, is it? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I'm sure you can just so you draw can, one you on. can make up your own, you know, yeah, <laughs> like right. using a felt tip pointer. I'm yeah. like, hey, yeah, rare. Exactly. Zero number zero. The first one ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Look, they they even made it by keep, hand. Keep your eye on eBay. That'll show up eventually. Did you see that? Did you see that rare C sixty four one that was selling for the, for for eight thousand dollars? Which which one? <laughs> that one that had, like rare factory error. Yeah, no yeah, piece. right, right. Yeah, I know. I I told you about that one where 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 the machine didn't match the box serial number. It's like rare factory error. No, it's not. You just put one machine in another machine's box. There's no error there. Yeah, and a friend of mine who actually came over here today, he said, like, did you hear about that? So it's really going viral yeah. in the C64 retro scene. Yeah, yeah, because some of these, uh, these these auctions are ridiculous. It's like rare. <laughs> it's not rare. Find a thousand of them. <laughs> Factory hour. And it was totally dirty. Like, yeah, uh-huh. And the case was half ripped off. Yeah. Yeah, it was all I'm pretty sure that yellow. was totally a legit factory hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, even if it was a factory hour, that doesn't make it any more valuable than any regular old C64. You know, you can make up stories like uh -huh. in 1984, when they had to return a truck of C64 from the stores back to Commodore, he was actually driving over one, and that's the one he drove over. Yeah, right, right. You, see, uh -huh. you can still see the tire prints on it, you know? Yeah, uh-huh, right. Yeah, this C64 here was 
was used in the 80s in a in Beirut to help find and defuse bombs. And now it's come to America and I'm selling it. You can't back this up. But you can't disprove <laughs> oh, it geez. either. Jesus. I just throw some sand in it. There you go. Yeah, this is from Beirut. Right. Oh, my God. I've gosh. seen a couple of those where it's like, you know, rare um, guy bought it in the Air Force or something. And, you know, he was stationed. I don't know where he was stationed, but he, he bought this thing. And it's traveled, you know, from the U.S. to Germany and then back to the U.S., and he's like, rare, bought it, you know, in military, whatever. It's not a military computer. You bought it at a store on a military base. That's the only thing about it that's military. Well, there was there was an exception, actually. There was an Amiga used in the NASA. Yes. Right? Yes. And that... it, it, still, it still had NASA internal programs on it. Yes. Uh-huh. There's quite a few of them, actually. Um, if you look around, because they... They did use NASA used them at, for telemetry, and uh, they used them until probably like two thousand one or two or something, and then they got they got rid of them because you know no support and all. But uh, yeah, there's there's a few of those still floating around, and the one that was being sold for a ludicrous amount of money on on eBay, I think they had tracked that down to who it belonged to, and. It still had like all the software still on it, like nothing had been wiped or anything. So that that would have actually, I would say, that would be valuable just for that, just for that the programming, the software and whatnot. But a lot of it is, you know, it's a wiped machine from NASA. Okay. Without the without that internal stuff, it's not worth anything because it's just another Amiga three thousand. Or um, there was this Martin Galway CD, audio CD like 10 years, 12 years ago that was actually made, uh, recorded on his C64 SID. Okay. And the, they pulled the C64 SID out of his original C64 to make the, re, the recording sound exactly like he composed them. That's like something. You know, yeah. No, but but nowadays, nowadays you can you can go like, oh, oh, Chris, could you sign this for me? And then you can put it on eBay, like rare. Chris Hulsbeck signed my C64. Yeah, right. He touched it. (laughs) There's there's an Amiga somewhere, an Amiga 1000, where it's uh, you know, it's got all these signatures on the inside, like the old uh, Max did. Except that this one's being sold for a ludicrous amount of money because somebody else signed the inside of it. No idea who it is. Could have just been the guy that owned it. But it's like unique signature, you know? Like, okay, well, without any provenance, without knowing who the signature is, it's not like that signature is just missing from that one case and it's on all the rest of them. No. Someone just used a marker and signed the inside of the case along with the other ones. And if that was my machine, if I had owned that when I was a kid, maybe I would have done that because that's the sort of stupid thing I would do. But it doesn't make it like a rare signature. Actually, actually, I had a positive experience when I was uh, buying something from Hood, which is um, a competitor here in Germany for eBay. Yeah. So number second, you know. Right. And actually, I bought, I bought Pirates, a German version. Signed by uh, Sid Sid Meier, 
who is actually the the developer of the game, you know. Right. And interestingly, I bought it for maybe like 20, 25 euros. And interestingly, the seller didn't mention it that it was signed. Nice. So I was like, oh, my God, I got a signed signed copy. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes, a lot of times they don't they don't know what they're what they've got. Like if if I'm selling a piece of software and I've got the box and the manual and everything, I usually put it up for probably like 30 or 40 bucks because it's a complete, you know, it's the manual, it's a box, it's all the, you know, the, the warranty hand ins and all that junk. But uh, some people just, you know, they put that up for 15 bucks, 10, 15 bucks. Right. Some people, I've, I've, there's been a couple of people on eBay that I've seen put up for like, for like $30. They're selling like a silver label 64. And I've got to like email them and be like, don't do that. That's, it's worth more than that. Put a zero. Yeah, yeah, it's a serial. It. It's a silver label. Put the serial number on it. Ask for at least twice that. Right. Not that it's actually yeah. worth more, but people will pay more for it because it's it's a silver label sixty four. It's really no different than a regular sixty four. It's just got a silver label. Well, on it. no, it is different. Um, 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 um. Bill Hurt actually mentioned it in a presentation like last year at the at the at the Commodore convention. I think it was the Vintage Computer Festival. Yeah. And um, actually, it's true because when I got my silver label, I could confirm it. You know, the thing is, the first revision of the VIX ship I see oh, in the, the, the sparkles, the sparkles had the sparkle error, yeah. the yeah. sparkle uh-huh. back. Yeah. Right. So actually, even the even the newer Z64s had the sparkle back too. Yeah. But he said what they actually did is instead of fixing it, they programmed, they changed the routine in that the IC that every time the sparkle appears, it's filled up with dark blue color. Right. Or the so, background color. So you just can't see it. So you just can't see it. Yeah. But the silver sixty-four had no such a fix and it's so awful it's so awful and even even if you got a later revision like the like the rainbow Mm -hmm. c64 you know even that like 83 84 early 84 the vic i see is really very bad blurry and all that stuff my brother had one of the early revisions yeah, my brother had one of the early revisions, and it was just – it was so painful to look at. The the two blues did not – the light and dark blue did not um, – they were not far enough apart from each other to where it was comfortable to look at. You know, it was just kind of – everything was dark and just – I, I didn't, didn't like it. Yeah, we, we never had this color issue, mm. but but it was just blurry yeah, here. Yeah. Um, so uh, – Well, he had that too. It so, was blurry as well, but it was just dark and blurry and – yeah, yeah. So um, people, people, people forget. People don't know nowadays. Nowadays, you know, you can you can look at it. You know what you are getting. Yeah. But back in the days, if you got a C sixty four with an early Vix IC that had a bad color, it had a bad color. Right. You didn't know it had a bad right. Yeah, um, yeah picture. Right. It despite later years when you had a friend and like, oh my god. 
your pick, your C64 picture is so much better. Yeah. And then they buy an, a new one, and um, like, wow, now, yeah, you know, and and, and back. I mean, imagine just how it must have felt '86 when they fixed the sits. Yeah. And then suddenly, all the game music didn't sound right anymore, and the and the uh, digis didn't really play the digital samples. Yep. Wow, that must have been a shock, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and nowadays you have this habit of no, I want this revision because this revision is rare, and I want this revision of the. Uh, the big ship, yeah. and about this version of the SID, or oh, the SID, is it R4? Is it advanced resonance? Yeah. Is it R3? What's the production month and mm-hmm. week and what whatever? Oh, yeah. You know all yeah. these differences. Yeah. What's what's the essay number of the motherboard? <laughs> you know. Right. What's this? Is it an Aldi case? Is it a normal case? You know, like oh my god! Back in the days, you had no choice. Yeah. You go to the store and. Get whatever was available. You had no idea what you were getting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people, 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 people tend to forget that, you know. Yeah. Well, I think we've rambled enough. Robert Bernardo is probably growing a beard, waiting for us to get over there. Maybe his shaver is broken. Maybe. Oh, so Robert Bernardo is over there. Let's go talk to him and. So and um, today we are actually talking to you because. You are head of the Fresco user group, right? If I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm uh, yes, I am the president of the Fresno Commodore user group. I'm also the leader of the the Southern California Commodore and Amiga network. Since uh, that group down down there in Southern California does not really have officers, so I can't really call myself a president or a chairman or anything like that. So <laughs> I'm the leader of that group there. Yes, actually, and um, this um, we mentioned this before on the podcast. User groups is a concept that is pretty much unknown to us Europeans. <laughs> I think the closest you would have would be uh, the Netherlands Commodore Show. Uh, yeah, the X Party. The group, yeah, yeah, where the the group there meets every two months at a uh, at a church there. And uh, they gather together and show off their computers. So I think that would be the closest you have to a uh, a user group. Yeah, actually, yeah, actually, yes, that's that's also true. That's like a club, we would say, um, yes. in and in, then, in the then, Netherlands, exactly. And then I've been to. Um, oh, I'm going to pronounce this very badly in German. German. <laughs> I've been to the. And I've just forgotten the name. The, the the name translates to Tuesday Club. Tuesday Club. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that would okay. be the Tuesday meeting. Yeah, that's also um, like um, like a meeting of hardware guys. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That would be that would be every Tuesday. That was uh, I visit when I'm in Europe. I try to visit that club. And they are up there in, and I'm forgetting my names again. I'm forgetting my names. <laughs> why, why don't I pull up a map of Germany and take a look so I can remember where I am? Uh, actually, I don't <laughs> even remember where they are meeting. It's not at least close to me, so. That's right. It is not close to you. It is more in northern Germany. Yes. So you would, oh, that's right. You'd fly into the Dusseldorf airport. Yeah, exactly. And you, 
You'd fly into the Dusseldorf Airport, and then you would go to... <laughs> and I forget the name of the town. It doesn't come to mind right now. Okay. I don't. I don't remember right now either. Um, oh, that's it. It's uh, yeah. Uh, so I'm pronouncing this badly. It's the Dienstagstreff. <laughs> yeah, Tuesday meeting. Dienstagstreff. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I know uh, what meeting you're talking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They 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 have a website. Exactly. Yes. So. Actually, interestingly, we know each other since, I mean, we have spoken before like um, 17 years ago when, when we were starting with Scene World. And I remember we were actually having a, an email conversation and you were telling me like, why are you still up at half past three and work, working on the magazine or um, organizing? <laughs> you should get some oh, rest. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we have we have a different editor now for the newsletter. I do not do the newsletter anymore. <laughs> ah, it was okay. Just, it was just it was just too much work, and uh, I was I was working as a teacher, and I could not do that anymore. I said, oh, and and we have we had a volunteer in our club. He took over as our newsletter editor. Ah, interesting. Um, unfortunately, and this is a hard copy newsletter. So unfortunately, unfortunately, he does everything on uh, Windows. <laughs> so it does not it does not have the Commodore look to it. I went, oh, okay. But I remember back in the days there were some newsletters using Geo Publish. Yeah. I, I was uh, I was doing my newsletter first on um, on uh, uh, one program. Oh boy. Uh, and I'm forgetting the names of my programs again. I was first doing it on one program, a uh, uh, newsletter writing program, and then I switched over to Geos. Yeah, yeah. Geo, I, I know Geo that. Write, Geo write and Geo publish. And yeah. Then I send them, then I would send them through a postscript printer, which, and when you send it through a postscript printer, then you have perfect letters. It looks perfect. It does not have the, the dot matrix look to it. Unfortunately, all those people I had back in touch with, besides you, they all stopped. I mean, K. Dale, side button, for example, he stopped, and yes, then he, then he the, the way. I, yeah, I found he out passed a few away? months ago Seriously? that he, he died. Yes. Oh. I did not know. I did not know that K. Dale side bottom. He was. He he died, and I was just informed of that. So uh, I should write a tribute to him. I, I found some of his newsletters that I had been receiving. Yeah. And he, he was quite he was quite a force in Commodore and yeah, he, he yeah. died. I went, Oh I, I was actually talking to him last year on Facebook. Because oh. you know you know how Facebook is. Facebook is maybe you know K Dale. I'm like, Yes, I know him. And then he, he told me last year that he, he stopped everything related to Commodore, which was quite sad. Oh, it must have been because of his health. I don't know. It was just a brief 10 minutes conversation. Um, so I don't know. Um, and I guess the other one was Tina Turner or something. Or somebody called Tina, but not Turner. Uh, <laughs> but somebody know. called Tina. And she was also making a newsletter. But I don't, oh. I don't exactly remember her name now. I do not know her, but if it's Tina Turner, the movie star and singer, <laughs> I don't think she's in common. No. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. Well, it was it was um, somebody called Tina, and okay. she was also a Geos user. I actually spoke to a lot of Geos users back in the day, which is actually the well, reason why, why I got the idea to support the mouse for the Mac system. <laughs> oh, very good, very good. Uh, well, yeah, our, our club is like, hmm, let me think about that. I think our club is the only club still putting out a, a paper newsletter. <laughs> uh, because we had, that, we had that idea in the club that um, if we do not put out a newsletter, then our club is dead. <laughs> so we have to keep on the, putting out a newsletter. Oh, I see. So, so let's 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 start a bit at the beginning. How did it actually happen that you got involved into computers and Commodore, and then did your club? Let's start at the beginning. Oh, you're going back a long way, back to 1981, 1982. <laughs> okay, I could start back then. Uh, as a beginning teacher, back in 80, as a beginning teacher. Um, uh, the first few years, of course, we had nothing like you know computers in the classroom. But then in 80, I believe it was 82, 1982, um, the principal, or the headmaster of our school, he, he, he told the teacher, said, oh, there's a computer class going on uh, in a nearby town. Uh, go to the computer class. We won't pay you for it, but <laughs> go to the computer class anyway and find out about computers. And uh, I remember going to this class, and there were a, a bunch of interested teachers there. And in front of us were um, Tandy, uh, Tandy three computers, and they're huge, huge computers. Well, they have like a 12-inch monitor and dual disk drives, and they're all built into a case with a keyboard. So I believe those were Tandy three computers, and mm. of course the floppy. They used five and a quarter inch floppy disk, and uh, the instructor of that class told us, and this was just a few hours in one on one afternoon, and the instructor of the class said, "Oh, this is how you use a computer. Uh, insert your disk, type in load. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is save. This is how you get a directory on a on a Tandy computer, a disk directory on a Tandy computer." And we were all, of course, amazed. We're going, oh, this is the way it's done. This is how to write a basic program. We're going, oh, wow, this is, the, this is how it's done. And so that was the, the, the introduction to computers back then. I, I still don't, I have, did not have a computer back in 82, but, but we were getting you know, used to working with them back then. And, of course, we were just typing you know, one finger at a time <laughs> okay. because we didn't know okay. what we were doing. And then in 1983, August 4th, 1983, uh, because the price was so good, I got my first uh, home computer, which was the Commodore 64. Great. Yes. And then, uh, well, uh, as a poor teacher, that's all I could afford. It was the big $200, because the price had dropped, uh, the big $200 and I brought it home, and that's all I could afford. I could not afford any means of storage. <laughs> I see. So I typed, I, I typed everything in from, you know, the instruction, the user's manual. I said, oh, here's a basic program. Okay, type it in. See what it does. But, of course, when I turned off the computer, everything got erased. It was only, uh, it was only one month later when I, I had a paycheck again, and I could finally buy a, uh, a cassette drive, 
And it was not the, even the Commodore cassette drive, not the data set. I had to get an off-brand, uh, off-market uh, data set, which was $5 cheaper. I said, oh, the Commodore data set is $35. This other uh, data set or uh, off-brand data set is only $30. Okay, I'll get the off-brand one. Hmm. So uh, I stayed with the data set for maybe about, yeah, two years, the Commodore hmm. 64 and the data set. Wow. And that's and then, actually uh, pretty unusual because... The data set was was very often a uh, – that's what a lot of the Europeans started with. And a lot of Americans, we never saw them or never used them because we – you know, disk drives were pushed here more than they were in Europe. Oh, yes. But I but I could not afford, you know, the, the, the price of a disk drive. I said, oh, $200 for a C64 and $30 for a data set. Oh, no, I can't afford another $200 for a, data, uh, for right. a 1541 disk drive. So yes, I, I served, uh, survived for two years on that. Uh, <laughs> in fact, in in 1984, the uh, one year later, I started bringing the Commodore 64 into the classroom, and I would oh, set the Commodore 64 there with a a TV. Yes, not a monitor, but a television, and I'd have the data set there, and I'd have the students, you know, after school, we'd say, "Okay, we're going to run this run this uh, typing program here that was saved on data set, or we're going to use this word processor." That was done on uh, data, uh, saved on data set, and uh, uh, it was not until 1985 that I got my first Commodore that had a disk drive, and actually oh. it was a Commodore SX64. Ah, interesting. On, yes, it was on closeout from a, a department store over here in California called Gemco, and Gemco uh, was going out of business, and their entire computer section. Uh, was of course discounted at huge markdowns, uh, huge price drops, and they had an SX64 there. They said, "Oh, okay, regularly a $1,000 computer down to $400. Okay, I'll get that." Wow! So in, ni- in 1985, I got my first computer, the SX64, with the built-in disk drive, and of course I had to learn everything then. I, I said, "Oh, this is what you do with a disk drive on a Commodore." <laughs> <laughs> One of my friends who had a disk drive before me, he uh, before me, he was also into Commodore, and he had he he was used to a fifteen forty one disk drive. He said, uh, "Robert, this is the way you do it. This is how you this is how you save to disk. This is what you do with a disk drive." I went, "Oh." Well, we should take you, into account that the disk drive actually is a whole computer in itself, which is why it was right. so expensive. It's not right. like like modern. Um, PC disk drives or even Amiga disk drives that are just plain disk drives, you know. Uh-huh. But even before then, uh, back in '84, yeah, in it was in '84. Yes, I I needed a printer for my my computer, something that would. <laughs> yes, I was still using the the brown C64 with the data set <laughs> back in '84, and I said, oh, I need to print print things, and uh, I did not like the. The, the the fifteen. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting names again. I did not like the 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 seven pin Commodore printer, <laughs> the fifteen twenty five. I said, ooh, those characters look really bad. Uh, the the dot matrix look uh, uh, the dot matrix look on the printer looks really bad. Okay, I will buy something else that has letter quality. And what I did was buy a Daisy Wheel typewriter. Okay, Daisy interesting. Wheel typewriters. Yes, Daisy Wheel typewriters, the ones uh, I, I I was looking at, those had, you know, I said, oh, look, 
It has a parallel port in the back. It has a Centronics port in the back of this Daisy Wheel typewriter. I can connect it to the Commodore. So that's what I did. I uh, with a, a a cable, I would connect the the Daisy Wheel typewriter to, right to the Commodore, and then of course with my uh, first um, word processor, which was Total Text, that's spelled T O T L dot text T E X T. Total Text 2.6 on cassette. So I would load up my my cassette word processor and type away. <laughs> On the on <laughs> on the Commodore, and then yes, Total Text was not very. It, it, it was a what is it called? A post formatting uh, word processor, I believe. You had to embed all your character strings inside the text. So it is not what you see is what you get. You had to put in strange commands like dollar dollar, pr, <laughs> which meant paragraph <laughs> indent you know dollar dollar in which means indent the paragraph <laughs> <laughs> so yes it was but i got used to it and uh in fact with total the text you could adjust it uh, so it could uh, go 80 columns if your if your television could resolve 80 columns you could barely see 80 columns on the on the, the 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 television with your Commodore 64, you're going, oh, those characters are very tiny. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, well, with with the resolution of just uh, 300, uh, 320 by 200, you don't have a lot of a uh, lot of chance to see well, anything. Each, each character then is like only three characters because you still need <laughs> one one for a space. So there, yeah, especially on a TV that's oh, yeah. real blurry and and. Painful. Oh yes, it was really blurry. I said, "Oh, this television is not good enough. I have to get a bigger <laughs> get a bigger television with a bigger picture tube." <laughs> yeah, that was my that was my cure for. It. I said, "No, this little television is not good enough. I need a bigger television." Then I could see the letters a little bit better. <laughs> it's interesting because here in Europe, actually, the most printer used were either an Epson NL twenty. That could be used for a PC or Amiga or um, um, a Commodore 64. Or what my grandfather used was a Commodore MPS um, 302, which couldn't which oh. couldn't do um, graphics, only text. See, I had a, a an a MPS 801, and like that like, was the like, graphic. Uh, yeah, the graphic like, like Robert one. said, though the 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 dot matrix was awful. There were no you didn't have the, the descending G's or any of that stuff, and and it just looked like yeah. it looked like almost you know like like a ransom note with you know different letters from different <laughs> things kind of stapled together. And I actually, when I was in school, I did a uh, I used it to do a paper, and I actually got points off because of the stupid letters. Oh, and oh, I, that and is, I had to bring that, in like the printer to show them, like no, 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 this is how it works. This is what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> Actually, it's a, actually it's mainly a driver issue because in later Geos versions with GeoWrite, you had a better printer driver that would fix this right, problem. Right, but you would also the MPS eight hundred one. It never was quite. There was always a little bit of a gap in between where the print head wrote, so it was never. Yeah, if you did it in pure graphics, then it, you could kind of have the descenders. It would look a little funky, but if you just you know were outputting text. Which is what most word processors at the time did. It just, you know, it just one pass and, and ugliness. I also had the Daisy Wheel too, the first one that I had, uh -huh. which was the 
loudest printer on the face of the earth. Uh, okay, interesting. I, I had I had the Royal Typewriter, yes, Royal Typewriter, from a company called Royal <laughs> Royal Typewriter yeah, yeah. Company. And uh, you use, of course, to change the font on the typewriter, you change the daisy wheel. Right. So you go, right. Oh, I need a, I had, a, I need a, this kind of font. Okay, change the daisy wheel. I said, Oh, look how, look, this is ingenious how they change fonts on this thing. And uh, <laughs> but to get graphics, my, 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 my friend who was more advanced than me because he had the 1541, he had the the, the cool printer, uh, dot matrix printer, and he had everything. He says, Robert, how do you do graphics? I said, Uh. Well, in Compute Gazette, there is a program there that would use the period key <laughs> on yep. your daisy wheel typewriter. <laughs> yep. you, you just yes, it would. You would you would type in this program and then load in your graphic, and then the period key would just keep hitting on the paper until it printed a graphic. <laughs> took about took about four hours to do one page, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is one way to make a graphic with a daisy wheel printer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I actually wrote a piece of software that did that, and I must have gone through. Oh. I must have gone through like three different daisy wheels because I kept killing the, the oh. period. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I was thinking, Maker Fair is coming up over here in uh, California. It's coming up in May, mm-hmm. and one of the things I was thinking about for Maker Fair is, hmm, maybe I should uh, I should bring in the Commodore, and of course over there at Maker Fair we have a classic computers exhibit there. And we have users bring in their computers, uh, their old-time computers, to show everybody what what it was like back then. <laughs> so usually, uh, I bring in a Commodore and an Amiga, and for some strange reason, a, T- a Texas Instruments TI-99 also. Hey, okay. somebody handed it to me, but there's huge interest in the TI-99. I don't know why, but okay. <laughs> so I, I, okay. I usually set out those computers, and of course, all the other users for the classic exhibits table. They bring in an Apple II or an Atari 800 computer or an Atari 2600 game console, and then of course, the the hundreds of people. Well, Maker Fair in California is we have a hundred thousand people come up to that show, wow. and then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have hundreds of people coming through our classic exhibits area, our classic computers exhibit area. It's just hundreds of people coming through. And and we we just take up a, an area of about maybe twenty by okay I'm sorry this is not in meters it's in feet but we take up an area of about twenty feet by twenty feet with our tables in a circle like that with room for people to get through but that place is always crowded with people coming in all all these families coming in um, uh, husbands wives children. And the, 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 the fathers and mothers tell their little children, oh, this is what a computer was like back then. This is a floppy disk. And all the kids go, oh, floppy disk. Or the parents show them, this is a data set. This, this is a cassette for you storing data on. And they look at them and go, oh, a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. I think they're they're a little more familiar with a cartridge. They kind of they they figure out what a cartridge is. They go, oh, this is a VIC twenty cartridge, or this is a C sixty four cartridge. You plug it in, and it does something up on the screen. So they're a little bit more familiar with what cartridges do. But they're they're not even quite sure. Well, the kids they're not even quite sure what a classic joystick is. You know, this is how you control things. This is a joystick, and of course they're looking around for like the PlayStation three controller. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Okay. 
no, 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 no. This is a no. This this is a joystick, guys. This is here. You you move it left, right, up or down, and this is your fire button right here. <laughs> so um, so for Maker Fair this year, I was thinking, hmm, how can I give how can I give families the classic experience? I said, hmm, maybe I should bring out my old Daisy Wheel typewriter and connect it to the Commodore and run a word processing program and. And the kids, you know, for a while until they got bored with it, I'll say, "Here, type, type something on the on the computer, press Control P, and then watch it print out on the typewriter over there." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and of course, some of them, some of them don't know what a, a, a Daisy Wheel electronic typewriter is. They'll just push, be pushing the keys on the typewriter. Right. Well, you can also, if you wrote the program for it, you could have it print to. Uh... You could have it just print straight to device four. So you, as you typed on the on the computer, it would just print right. out instantly. Yes, yes. So that was another idea. Of course, I have these other ideas for Maker Fair, like, <laughs> oh, connect the video camera to the Commodore and and run 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 a, a, a video capture program with the Commodore. Okay, kids, hold very very still for four <laughs> seconds or ten seconds. While the Commodore scans your face, yeah. <laughs> hold extremely. Don't move, or else. Of course, they'll move, and we'll have strange, strange uh, <laughs> pictures on the Commodore screen. I'll say that's you on the Commodore screen right there. And of course, if I connect a graphics printer to it, then I could print it out on fan fold paper for them. Yeah. And of course, the kids will go, yeah. fan fold paper. What's that? So, yes, you put this paper through the printer, and you know the pins pull up the paper. And yeah, it's going. It's going thing. endless, endless paper. Yeah. Yes, endless paper. Uh, in fact, uh, I was uh, another idea would have been uh, that I'm thinking of is like, oh, they don't know the printing experience with the Commodore. Well, yeah, maybe a graphics printer. You know, the get out the the old uh, C Ito printer. That's C dot I T O H printer. The old 8510 printer, which is quite a nice 9-pin printer, really. And ribbons uh, are somewhat available for them. And, you know, show them, say, run print master through it or print shop and say, okay, students, oh, students, I'm sorry, kids, you can make your, your signs like this or make your pet banners. Here, we're going to type out something, pick your graphic, you know. This is how to make a banner with a Commodore. And of course, it would take them a while. Make your banners very short. Don't make it very yeah. long because... Hundreds, hundreds of other people are waiting in line to use the computer. And that's what we typically have at the, the Classic Computers exhibit area. We have people waiting in line. They're, they're you know, in a queue waiting to use our old-time computers. Nice. And, and the, parents would say, the parents would say, oh, this, I used to have a computer like this. Yes, said, well, exactly. You, you, can, you can get it back again. Or yeah. they yeah. would say, I used to program on this. I said, well, you can still program on it and, you know, get back into it. That's always yeah. my response. They said, yeah, that's, oh, actually, have one of the that's actually a thing, yeah. Yeah, we have one of these in the closet. I said, well, take it out of the closet and use it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly the time of that's the type of conversations i have every time when i when we have our booth of scene world at gamescom which is the biggest games um trading show fair in in europe and oh. we, we have a big retro area there with atari amiga sinclair whatever and and oh, wow. we 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 go with the uh, with the uh, scene world magazine there having a booth and so i Plug in the joystick, put it up there, and 
they are like, what? This is a magazine to read, not a game to play? You know? <laughs> what time? What time of the year is that show? Uh, it's in the last week of August. Last? Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it's the biggest August. show. It's uh, like half a million, half a million visitors each year. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah. Uh huh. And, so and you can imagine what? how wasted I am after after <laughs> this week. Oh yeah. In, in what in what city is that? Cologne. Oh, Cologne. Okay, very good. Well, if when I go back to Europe in, in 2019 or 2020, I should try and <laughs> go to that show and see what you it's should. like. You should. You should, but be prepared. It will be very stressful because half a million <laughs> uh, gamers will be there, you know. Uh -huh, it's uh -huh. a gaming at, fair. At, yeah. at Maker Fair at Maker Fair here in California, I, uh, it's like... Uh, We go at our classic games exhibit, we go anywhere from 10 to 12 hours, and I'm just standing there 10 to 12 hours helping everybody, because there's no room to sit down. Everybody else has taken the chairs, and they're playing on their the classic computers. So wow. I'm just, I, have to, I have to tell people, yeah, this is how you run the disk. Oh, you've frozen the computer. Okay, just <laughs> turn it off, turn it off. <laughs> and they go, what? Turn it off, turn it on? I said, yeah, just do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you that's how you get the Commodore working again. They go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. That's actually true. Um, what what disturbs me the most, however, is the 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 parents when they see when they see the ten um, when they see the ten eighty four and they see the monitor and you know um, the covers broke off. So they are like, okay, let's correct the color. Let's let's turn up the volume. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, you're not supposed to touch it, you know. It's not your device. So it's not actually the kids playing with the monitor settings. It's the parents, you know. <laughs> so I, I actually got replacement covers for the control panel due oh. to yeah. 3D printing so that people wouldn't mess with the monitors anymore. <laughs> Oh well, I I don't have well now the parents at Maker Fair they don't seem to be playing around with the controls on the monitors that much they just they're just so enjoying the experience with their children okay. yeah it's bringing them back it's bringing them back to their past well that's that's good that's good well well not not everybody's doing it but of course but but each time I'm returning and I'm like well, well this picture looks different now than what it, what it used to <laughs> look like before you know um yeah it's, it's um actually actually wonderful it's it's great i'm I'm really happy myself that I'm old enough to know how all this computer stuff started because the knowledge is getting lost you know in a way oh yes That's true because if you don't, if you don't keep people informed about it, they just forget. They go, "Oh, we don't know how it was done." Yes, the knowledge is is becoming lost, and uh, it, it's good to pass it down to younger generations and go, "This, this guys, this is eight bit computing, or this is Amiga thirty two bit computing, or you know, this is this is the way it was done." And and do something with it. Make uh, uh, my, my thing is, if people can make new things with the old technology, hey, that's great. Definitely. Like, uh, I re I recently bought. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, I, will, I I fell for it. I fell for it. My friend, one of my friends, when I was in Europe last last uh, 
last September and October. I was up in Sweden, and one of my friends, he says, Robert, you signed up for VR64, didn't you? I said, huh? What's that? <laughs> virtual virtual reality 64. You put these goggles, you put these glasses on your, your head, you'll see a 3D image. I said, oh, you do? Oh, that's amazing. That's, uh, that's brand new for our Commodore. So I had to sign up for it. And I paid the big $80 US for it. And I, I received it a few weeks ago. And I demonstrated wow. it in front of the Fres- Fresno Commodore user group. And uh, while they like the concept of Virtual Reality 64, uh, the implementation was still needs improvement. <laughs> the game that came with it, Street Defender, well, in Street Defender, you, you choose your weapons by having to push the F keys on the Commodore. And you have, you have to turn left or right by pushing the left arrow key or the number one key on the Commodore. I went, huh? Well, you mean, okay, so you have these goggles over your eyes, but you have to be, you know, you have to kind of feel where your <laughs> the keys on the keyboard are. I mean, well, that's not, that's kind of clumsy to use in this game. <laughs> so what, there, there is no, what is it, motion sensing in the goggles? So if you turn your head left, the screen does not go left. Or if you turn your head right, the screen does not go right. You have to push buttons on the uh, on the keyboard of the Commodore to turn left or right. I said, well, that's not quite right. I, I, this needs a little more development. Like I thought to myself, oh, what what if we put some kind of motion sensing module, inertial <laughs> inertial uh, positioning module on the goggles, and then it would register left or right and then somehow connect that into the Commodore 64 through the user port or through the joystick port. And then when you turn your left, your head left, it would, you know, the screen would turn left, or if you turn your head right, the screen would turn right. Uh, I was thinking, I was thinking uh, too expensively, my friend said. They said, no, 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 you don't need a, a fancy inertial positioning module, just buy a tilt switch. I said, a tilt switch? Yeah, if you tilt, one way, if you position the little tilt switch on your goggles one way, you know, it would sense it would sense you tilting one way, and then it'll move the screen left. Or if you tilt the other way, it'll you know move the screen the other way. Oh, Makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah. I was thinking I was thinking of the complicated method, and my friends, you know, the the more electronic-minded friends of mine, they said, oh yeah, tilt switch is just like a little bit of mercury, uh, the the metal mercury inside a little tube. And it just, it just slides left and right and makes contact with the switch inside of it. I went, oh, is that it? Very simple. So uh, I'm, going to su- I'm going to suggest to the developer of VR64 and say, um, can you put uh, some switches on your goggles there so <laughs> you can turn left or right with the goggles instead of you know, having to feel on the keyboard to turn left or right. And and push and looking, you know, trying to feel for the F keys, you know, to fire or uh, fire your weapons, um, that is very clumsy also. So I'm going to suggest to him to, you know, give joystick control. We need joystick control, you know. Pick your weapons by going up or down on the joystick and then press the fire button on the joystick to fire. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's that also a good be, idea. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be another way. Or if he does not like the idea of the tilt switch, which which adds you know to the complexity of the program, well then give the joystick control. I mean, 
if you want to turn, if you want to see the view, turn left. Move left with the joystick, or if you want to move right with the view, then move right with the joystick. So yeah, just just make the game a little better to a, a better playing experience for the person. Because I want to show this this game off at Maker Fair, but I would know the kids' reaction to that game. <laughs> yeah, Here, I kids, see. Put put on these goggles, and of course they'll see the 3D view. They'll be impressed with that. But then trying to reach for the keys on the the Commodore when you yeah. can't see where the keys are, uh, that that would turn off the kids. Of course, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know. Um, anyway, it's it's still. It's still surprising for people when I tell them, like, well, there are new games being released, yes. and they are, yes, and they are, yeah, and and they are, uh, there are new, there are new hardware things being released, you know, and and some people even didn't know that the the Commodore sixty four is actually re released, you know, um, since three years you can get a, you can get a Commodore sixty four reloaded, which is a brand new board. Right, you know, right. and uh -huh. people, uh -huh. people from from the streets, they don't know that, because you know, like like back in the day, when when it was not modern anymore, you thought it's trash, you know. Um, unfortunately, so people actually never never had the idea that there would be enough um, community to to make new development but actually that is what you mentioned a lot of times this has been changed in the last seven years eight years where you have something like a retro trend um oh yeah so, the, so, the retro yeah the retro trend is in certain areas though because I, i've been to the, the 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 computer history museum for these movies that come out about commodore and atari and all these other new, you know, these filmmakers who want to do the history of Commodore, the history of uh, Atari. And and I go to the ones for Commodore, and there are lots of people, you know, that come to the Computer History Museum, and they want to see the the history of Co Commodore business machines. But I've been to the one with the Atari, the Atari movie that came out, and I said, oh, just a few dozen people for Atari? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> Maybe not good advertising. <laughs> Maybe the Atari community is not as strong here in the in the west coast of the United States. I mean, the Computer History Museum is in the middle of the Silicon Valley. You know where where computers were developed. I'm going. Oh, okay. Still not very many Atari fans here at this this movie showing. Oh well. Okay. Yes, you're right. Um, But but on the other hand, I wonder what's actually your opinion about the reincarnation of the Commodore 64. I mean, it's it started all with that awful vapid computer <laughs> that was just a PC with an emulator, and then actually oh. <laughs> there was this DTV that actually yeah. in in 90 in uh, in sorry in 2004 that actually was a smash hit, and and then. Right. In April this year, so in a month, they will actually um, they will actually bring out the C64 Mini. So, what's your Now, opinion that, about that? Is, is that is that confirmed? Because I've been speaking to Mike Batilana of Cloanto, who owns various copyrights or or knows the people who owns various copyrights, and uh, at the time I spoke to Mike a few months ago. Uh, these people who are coming out with the C64 Mini, they had not uh, properly uh, 
gone through the copyright channels. So uh, has that been cleared up? Well, according to my information, yes. I mean, hmm. I mean, we, we even we even did an interview with that guy who who brought up this um, Darren this Melbourne. project. Darren Melbourne, exactly. Oh, Darren Melbourne. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. That was. I believe so I met that, Dar- that I believe sound I too, met uh, Darren. Enthusiastic. <laughs> Darren Melbourne back in two thousand three. Uh, enthusiastic? No, I'm not too enthusiastic. I'm going, well, okay. Because if if that's the same person I met back in 2003, I mean, he came he came to the United States and met with Jerry Ellsworth. And, that's the and, guy, uh, yes. And uh, I met him, and he was all enthusiastic about it, and Jerry was all enthusiastic about it also. And... Uh, and then, of course, then the then the C sixty four DTV disaster happened. I went, oh, and uh, and then uh, so my opinion of people who were who screwed Jerry Ellsworth over on that uh, deal, I do not like. So I mean, no, I'd rather not associate with myself with. But didn't didn't uh, didn't Darren Melbourne also get screwed on that deal, Yerk? Oh, he did. I thought I did he did. I that. thought, yeah, I thought that he mentioned that when we spoke to him. Yes, he he did actually. Yeah, because uh, Jer- well, should I should I mention this? Okay, okay, Jerry. I'm not gonna give you the exact number. Okay, so Jerry was supposed to receive a royalty fee for every DTV that was sold. She was supposed to get a little a little you know percent of every DTV that was sold. And that came out to quite a uh, quite a bit of money, because you know if seven hundred thousand well like six hundred thousand DTVs were uh, C sixty four DTVs were sold, and one hundred thousand Hummer DTVs were sold through Radio Shack, that's seven hundred thousand. I went oh, seven hundred thousand units. Yes, and you're gonna make you know you know this much money, and uh, uh, she never got any of that money. I went, what, mm. but, 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 what happened? And, of course, she went through lawyers and and spent money on lawyers, but they came back to her and said, uh, we cannot get that money back because there was a, a clause in the contract. The clause in the contract was, if this product does not make a profit or is not successful, then you do not get any of the royalties. And, of course, the company, and I'm not talking about Mammoth Toys. Mammoth Toys was fine with her. It was the other part of the company. Uh, okay, the DC Studios, which would it be? The, out of Canada? DC, is that it? DC Studios out of Canada? Yeah, and the, well, and, and the European side would be Toy Lobster Company. Uh, no, I don't think uh, Toy Lobster was fine with her, I think. But it was the DC Studios part that was giving her... Providing supposedly providing here the the money, and uh, they said, "Oh, the DTV is not successful. Look on our books; it has made a loss. We have made a loss so, you know, in in our in our in our according to our spreadsheets here. So we do not owe you any money." And uh, and oh yeah, that was wow, that was bad, really really bad. So she did not get her royalty fees, and. Uh, and when she tried to sue them, then conveniently, DC Studios went <laughs> went out of business. 
<laughs> and of course, Jerry's lawyers have said, well, we can't sue anyone if the company is out of business. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yes, so she did not, yeah, she did not get any money there. Oh, in fact, I think before they went out of business, they said, uh, Jerry, your, 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 uh, your um, DTV was not a success, but if you make a more improved DTV for us with even more games, maybe we can, you know, it can be successful and then you could get royalties. But of course, she did not believe them, saying, I'm not going to work for you guys for free and I'm not going to, you know, pay, you know, I'm not going to do all this work and not get a promise of get, you know, getting any money. So she did not make an improved DTV for them. Mm. which would have had more games. Their idea was, oh, instead of 30 games in the DTV, uh, not including the hidden games, but the 30 games in the DTV, they wanted like 100 games in the wow. DTV. Oh. But, but, but um, Jerry wasn't the only one in the team. I mean, there was Jason Campton, there was Adrian Gonzalez, yeah. Robin Harpern, yeah. who, who also yeah, did I, I know, yeah, I know Seabolt Maxis for us, and, and yeah, uh, Oliver Weyerbrooks, who is our current coder. Uh, so there were a lot of people involved. York, do you remember the oh, specifics? Yes, there were a lot of, of people involved. Do you remember the specifics of what happened with um with, with with Darren? How he got screwed over? I think it was a very similar story to 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 what you just told with Jerry, where they just kind of they sold off everything that was there and shut down and didn't he didn't get anything from it. Uh, yeah, well, I think I'd have to go back and listen to that podcast to to find out. What that it was is. two years ago. Uh, I yeah, I know it's been a bit. I forget. <laughs> According to what uh, Jerry told me, they, the, the bad guys, the bad guys, <laughs> the bad guys who, you, who, who, who were up in Canada, yeah, they, 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 they went out of business, but then they reincorporated or they, they moved down to Florida. Mm. I went, oh, they're over there in Florida now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, the thing is, as, I mean, this, this isn't the first pro, uh, C64 um frpg reincarnation that FPGA. that had a that uh, fpga that had a bitter story i mean there was also this uh, commodore one that was actually oh, coming I have, I out have in 2001 2002 and yeah, i remember I that and i remember that jerry told told that she got screwed over by jens schoenfeld but Jens Schoenfeld <laughs> said he got screwed over because she never finished the project. So, uh, okay, <laughs> drama, <laughs> drama. So much I drama. know that story too. <laughs> you know oh. that story too. Okay. That's, yes, that's that's a big. That's another big story there. Well, well. So, let's just so, say. Okay, maybe maybe I can make it brief. Okay, I'll I'll make it brief. Okay. And. Uh, Sure. Uh, 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 okay, so Jerry uh, Jerry built a board, a prototype, and it had you know it had two FPGAs on it, and I'm gonna, and this is like the first instance of you know uh, using FPGAs to recreate an old time computer. Yeah. So 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 she she put two FPGAs FPGAs on it, and these FPGAs were large enough, big enough to hold everything of the Commodore 64 within them. So mm -hmm. that would be all, all the 
all the hard code, all the SID chips, everything. Everything fit on these FPGAs. Okay? Okay. And I'm still following. So, so, yeah, big enough. Big enough. And it would hold, you know, every, the operating, you know, the, the, the basic, it would hold everything. Everything that would make a Commodore 64. So it sounds great, right? Uh, Jens, okay, here, I'm going to get in trouble here. Jens went through it with his fine-tooth comb and cost-reduced it. So he put in a smaller FPGA. Instead of one large, two large FPGAs, he put in one large FPGA and one small FPGA and, uh, because he wanted to save a few, was it a few euros? A few euros off of each board. And, uh, and uh, that handicapped the Commodore 1 greatly because no matter what Jerry could do, she couldn't squeeze the code into the, the one large and one small FPGA. There was just not enough space. So she worked on it for months. She couldn't squeeze the code down into, into, the, into the board. In other words, the Commodore one was handicapped. I see. And okay. uh, it was the, it was from the, from the yeah, the, the, the boards that they were selling, handicapped, badly handicapped. So she gave up on the project, basically. And it was not until Jens came out a few years later and he, I, I guess he has never admitted this boy. He's going to be bad at me. <laughs> he came out with an extender board. He calls it an extend, extender board, which put back in the space. <laughs> you add this board for 99 euros. <laughs> 99 euros. I believe that was the price he was quoting. Yes, I bought it too. I know. <laughs> and this will give you back the FPGA space that was missing when he cost reduced it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, okay. so the so the Commodore One was made whole again. It was made complete again after the fact. And I went, well, that's not the way it should have been done in the first place. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that was the 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 big disaster there. And uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, to this day, to this day, I do not buy anything from individual computers, Jens' uh, uh, company. So. Wow, that that must be hard because he, he has some stuff that nobody else has. Unfortunately, oh, right, of course, I know he has he has a lot of Amiga stuff, and and my friends say, Robert, don't you want to buy anything from 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 him? I said. No, I don't have to buy anything from him. I'll just buy elsewhere, or I won't buy at all. So that's my attitude. Well, I sh so I shouldn't tell you that I bought his uh, uh, clock generator replacement, so <laughs> I could turn my Paul C64 into an NTSC C64. <laughs> um, um, when the when uh, Gideon Schweitzer from the Netherlands announced his Ultimate 64, I said, oh, this is great, because I'll buy the Ultimate 64. I pre-ordered one, too, yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I was put on the mailing list, but I'm not sure if that mailing list is a pre-order list or not. So, so, so. And I said, oh, yeah, the first 100 slots, the first 100 people have already pre-ordered theirs, and and the first 100 will get, there, the you know the first run of the 
of the Ultimate 64, the 64 Ultimate. But I, I'd rather wait for a later version, you know, when when all the bugs are worked out of it. I don't have to be the one of the first 100 people to pick up the board. I see. Yeah, but but so so you will be a customer of him instead. Yes. But he said the NTSC implementation will come later, unfortunately. Uh, no problem. I have I have monitors that that can do uh, PAL. Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm using a TV for that. A CRT oh, okay. TV. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I'm using uh, LCD monitors that can do NTSC or PAL. Well, I do have one. Oh, yes. One. I can do that, I too, do have, but I like the CRT I, stuff more. I do have a Sony GVM that can do uh, PAL or NTC, NTSC, and that is a CRT monitor. So if you want that nice. CRT experience, there you go. Yeah. I was actually surprised how clear the picture is despite I used the AV signal. Uh -huh. So pretty pretty good and and um, well, yeah. it actually caused uh -huh. some discussion like why would you want an NTSC Commodore 64 and it said like to to play games that play badly on the, on a slow pawn machine <laughs> hey what's up okay. actually my friends uh, at the the Netherlands Commodore show they said robert when you come back to our show why don't you bring us an NTSC C64 i was like huh you guys want it hmm, okay i could do that i could I could, in my suitcase, I could pack a, a C64, one or two of them, and bring it, bring it to you guys. So, I don't know. They, they, want, they want some NTSC C64s over there. I said, okay, sure. Well, it's actually pretty easy to modify them. You just need you just need the VIC chip that's that's the NTC revision, uh -huh. and you just need this clock generator replacement. Right. And if you don't want one from Jens Schönfeld, there's a guy in the USA that sells similar one. The only difference is this um, this one from the American guy can can only handle Paul or NTSC, but the one from Jens Schönfeld actually has a jumper, so you can switch between NTSC and Paul. That's the only um. difference. Who is this person in the United States? Oh, let's see. I I I I have I have his product on on my on my eBay watch list. So just oh. let me have a look, because just in case, just in case it's sold out. So um, I would buy from the American guy instead. Well, it's it's actually he, he calls his he, himself. Aslapian, and he's from Canada. Oh, Aslapian? Oh, yeah, he's up there yeah. in Quebec, Canada. Yeah, okay, Canada. so you know him. Okay. That's Francois, that's Francois Levelier. Uh, ah. My French is very bad. L-E-V-E-I-L-L-E. Levelier? Levelier? Yeah, Aslapian. Yeah, yeah. And, and he has a replacement, too, but that's not switchable. And that is why, actually, I, uh -huh. I went for this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, yeah, I've, I've I've done some business with Francois. He's he's a good guy, even though so, I don't understand why people why people uh, uh, bully him. <laughs> There's a term. They're bullying him on the in, on on the forums. Okay. Why are they picking arguments with Francois? I mean, he's hmm. he's he's a good guy, but people like to get him into an argument, and then of course he has to defend himself. Mm. And, <laughs> and these arguments can go on for a very long time. Good. Ooh, they're at it again. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> I didn't didn't know that. Well, anyway, the price tag for that was just 30, 30, um, 39 euros for the um, American wick ship and uh, and 17 euros for the tl- uh, clock generator replacement. But that was a pretty, pretty cheap modification to turn a Paul machine into NTSC. So I don't know why you would go, why you would go all through the shipping and customs issues. <laughs> Um, if you can, if you can just do it yourself for fifty bucks, you know, it's not really worth <laughs> well, it. I, I have a few. Uh, I have two or three PAL C64s back at my house, but unfortunately, I burned out the SID chips on them. I said, "Darn it all!" Now I have to get, you know, either uh, find some old SID chips and stick them into the machines, or buy buy the the Swim SID Ultimate and stick yes. them into the machine. I did that too. I actually ordered two of them, and they are sounding brilliant. Um, well, there's also the new well, FPGA set that's coming out soon. Yeah, that's also from Germany. Yes, um, so there are a couple of um, of replacements possible. So, so it seems you know everything and everybody, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I I don't know everything and everybody. I just know certain people and certain <laughs> certain bodies. <laughs> yeah, because so. you you even you even know the details like back to the version of the of the word processing you used. You know, that's yeah. like a, who who cares about version numbers? But you know it <laughs> everything like like it happened like yesterday. This. This is impressive. No, the the mem- the memory is fading as the years go on. The memory fades, so so I, I I'm sure because I think I I believe I was looking up uh, some writing I did back in 2004 or 2003, and 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 sometimes instead of writing on the computer, I just write everything down on paper, and then I I, I type it into you know the the computer. So so. Back in 2003 or 2004, I, I pulled out these old papers. I said, "Oh, look! I wrote, wrote down every all my experiences back then on paper." I went, "Oh, nice! Look at that! Things that I had not remembered." I said, "Oh, so yes." The, of course, the the things that are you know nearer, nearer in time to the present time, you remember better than things mm. that happened long ago. And of course, things are moving farther and for, longer and longer ago, <laughs> farther and farther back in memory, in long term memory. That's it. Actually, I found the last message from K. Dale Sidebottom, if you're in, interested. Yeah. So his okay. last Facebook message to me was sent October the, uh, August 4th in 2014, so four years ago. And he told me, hey, Jörg, I, have been, uh, I haven't been in Commodore now for several years. I got discussed uh-huh. with the failure of those who would provide the Super CPU 128. So I have been writing a book about religion, philosophy, and politics. Um, at least I cannot be accused of taking it easy. Gotta go by Dale. So this means oh, he got pissed that's... by Maurice Rendell, who, who never delivered his super CPU, 128. That was, that's amazing. Wow, he wrote that back in 2014. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. So... And and as we go about drama, this um, well, Morris this Randall is drama. Another drama. <laughs> what are you saying? Wait a minute. Okay, I know that uh, that Morris never delivered delivered on uh, several products, <laughs> yeah. and and people were very very angry. In fact, yeah, that's right. In fact, Morris never gave me some of the stuff that I paid for, but 
But that was many years ago. So uh, yeah. So it's it's uh, so that is the reason why K. Dale side bottom left the uh, left the C sixty four scene. Mm. Because of Morris Randall. Well, he said he got he got uh, disgust with the failures of those who would who could provide the super CP one hundred twenty eight. And that would yeah. be Morris Rendell, yeah, because huh. he took over the CMD stuff. Yeah. Interesting. So just because of one person, he got out of the Commodore. That is huh. what he wrote well, I, me. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't do that. I mean, <laughs> wow, interesting, very interesting. Ah, that's, well, that's, that's 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 very pa- passionate, or that's taking it either that's very passionate of him, or that's taking it too far. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, Facebook never forgets anything. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, just just thought you would you would care to know because you you made you you said maybe it was because of health issues. Um, well, yeah, I I I, 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 I uh, yeah I heard about that uh, through mm. through other people associated with Dale. Mm. That, I uh, see. That things were happening, and I went, oh, okay, but. Uh, course i had not known that he had died recently i went oh and that was and then uh, then i tried to look up for information on the internet about you know his obituary uh, uh, about details but i could not find it i could not find details of of exactly when he died or under what circumstances or or uh anything like that so oh well ah. another, another yeah. commodorian goes to heaven and I actually, I actually found out the Tina person who did the newsletter for the Commodore 64, and that was Tina Lapointe. Hmm. Lapointe, I don't know who that is. Well, um, where, where did that newsletter come from? From, from what I don't, area or I don't remember. I, I just have okay. his, e- I just have her email address still in my address books. Is it? Uh, can you identify it as an um, a North American email address, or is it like good it's, from the it's UK at or du- from Australia? It's, it's at wi.rr.com. Oh, wi.rr.com. Oh, huh. That yeah, that does not sound like an American address. Uh, okay, I don't know about e- email addresses that much, but uh, I, that I does not I've... sound like a typical Amer- American email address. Hmm. I think I've got his uh, his obituary here. Um, oh, you found K. Dale? Uh, yeah, it's Ke- Dale. Ken- Kenneth Dale Sidebottom uh, died March yeah. twenty fifteen. Okay. Uh, oh, March March third, twenty fifteen, at Floyd Memorial Hospital. He was in uh, he was up in uh, New York State, right? Uh, wait a minute. K. D- Dale was up in New York because I thought he was a resident of Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, maybe. Is there another K. Dale side bottom? Is that possible? That oh, be... with a na- with a name like that, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds very. That's not a common name. Well, I can look. I can look in his Facebook profile. Let's see. It was New York State. He was up in New York State. Maybe he had family up that way. Um. um well, he, he, it doesn't say in his profile. But he says he says he worked for the U.S. Postal Service. Yes, that is true. And um, 
And his birth date was May 18th, 1946. Well, uh, hmm. 19, 1946? Oh, may, okay, 96. maybe, maybe not, maybe, okay, New Albany, so I don't know if that's, maybe New Albany is in Kentucky. Oh, no, New Albany is right there across the river from Louisville, Kentucky. Okay, well then, okay, then that's, that's, that's it. I just saw, I saw Albany and I was like, New York. Uh, oh no no, the Albany, uh, Albany, New York is not is, okay, is not yeah, New yeah. Albany in, in All right. Indiana. Yeah, okay, oh, okay so, so 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 you found you found his obituary from March third, two thousand fifteen, and he passed away in New Albany, Indiana. Right, right. Oh, and I thought it, and I thought it was just a few months ago. I thought it. I didn't know it was all the way back in 2015. Hmm. Because, you know, Dale, Dale, it was like, I have to make mention of this or write an article on Dale, because his his idea was to put together the United Commodore User Group. All right. <laughs> UCUG. And, and it was supposed to be a, a, a joining of Commodore User Groups around the world into one organization. Hmm. That was his idea. But but uh, uh, the clubs the clubs were dying off or dissolving, and at that time, back in the the early or middle two thousands, right? And uh, and he it was a good idea, but it 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 went nowhere, right? And uh, but uh, Dale was you know he had his own computer show out there in in for for several years called the Louisville. Uh, Commodore uh, Expo, mm-hmm. and uh, and I visited that show one year, and it was very nice. And and uh, this was before uh, the Commodore Vegas Expo ever got going. But I suppose he ta- just by looking at his show, he he taught me of how a show should be run. And then actually, the first year of the Commodore Vegas Expo in 2005, he came over to our show all the way across the United States, all the way to Las Vegas, and came to our show to, I guess, inaugurate it. I don't know. He, <laughs> he came there with a friend or two, and and he was there supporting our show there on the very first Commodore Vegas Expo. So that was very nice of him to come mm. all that way. Yeah. Uh, I, was hoping, I was hoping he would come back, you know, several years in a row, but he never did that. So uh, he only came to the first show, and that was it. Yeah, I, I learned a, lo- a lot from those... Uh, uh, Commodore shows back in the late 1990s or the early early 2000s, and I would go to you know I would go to the the Louisville uh, user group uh, show uh, Commodore show, or I would go to the Chicago Chicago Commodore Expo as it was called back then, right? Or I would go to uh, uh, the the one up there in Morris Randall City. <laughs> <laughs> His show was called the. Uh, it, it, it does not come to mind right now, but yeah, what was this show called? Uh, I forget. But I would go to that that Commodore show also. And there was a lot of enthusiasm from from these people coming out with their their new programs, their new demos, NTSC demos. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. NTSC demos, and uh, you know, new hardware coming out, and and we were so. So excited, you know, with all these these two new things coming out. Especially when we thought, you know, CMD was giving up the co- ghost and Morris Randall was taking over. <laughs> because we thought, oh, Morris, Morris would handle it better than 
another person. Another person was was buying. He was trying to get the CMD uh, uh, blessing, you know, to make their goods. Mm-hmm. And we said, no, no, this other person shouldn't shouldn't get the the CMD hardware. No uh, more should bad get. Bad decision. So, bad decision. Well. If it went to the other person, that would have been a bad decision, also. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, other, I mean, the, the other person, the other person rubbed people the wrong way, and he uh, would make a lot of promises and not deliver, not deliver on those goods. And eventually, the rumor is he ended up in federal prison. Oh, jeez! So, <laughs> what so Morris or the other guy? Way. Huh? Morris or the other guy? No, the other guy. The other guy. Okay. <laughs> yes, because uh, he he I met him at yes I met him at uh, let's see he he came over to Jerry Ellsworth he was trying to hire her he came over to the Amiga the Ami World show Ami World I'm sorry I'm using the wrong world uh, the Ami West show uh, and tried to you know tout that he was going to make all these new Amiga this all this new Amiga hardware. He he showed up at the classic gaming expo. Um, yeah, he just he just made all of these promises and never delivered on them. In fact, it was he tried to hire Dave Haney. Yes, I believe it was Dave Haney from Commodore Business Machines. He wow. tried to hire Dave Haney, and Dave Haney was supposedly put on the payroll, but Dave Haney never got any money from him <laughs> <laughs> so because oh, Dave was supposed to develop new hardware. So he made all of these promises, and, and in fact, I think there's a website up there devoted to uh, this guy's mission out there on his website is to warn people of never <laughs> dealing with that guy again. Well, I mean, I remember from back in the day when I was in touch with you and and Dave Moorman and oh, yeah, and all Dave, those yeah. other guys. I sent in my CMD smart mouse because the RTC, the real-time clock, was broken. And oh. he, he fixed it for me uh, for free, but it took eight months to get my mouse back. And then I oh. was reading on the internet about him breaking promises and never delivering stuff. Well, yeah, I'd heard so, stories so, of that, too. I knew a couple of people yeah. that sent in, uh, they had had uh, CMD hard drives or FD drives or whatever that he, they had sent in to get repaired, sent it in, paid for it, and never got it back. So, so I had to call him in his repair shop. Because yes. what people don't know, he also is a race driver. So he, right. he had he had his phone number of his garage where he would repair the cars. And I would call him like every every two months and remind him. <laughs> you know? And you knew Morris would, would make promises like, yeah, you get it next week. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> so, hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, that's what happened to Kamal. Commodore Scene magazine in in the UK in the in England, the person who was doing Commodore Scene magazine, he he uh, all these people. Well, he would be the importer for Morris Randall. So so more he would send money to Morris Randall, and Morris would send over the CMD goods. And the person there in the United Kingdom, he would distribute it to all the English, you know, the British customers. Mm-hmm. Well. Uh, so so so, uh, he he, I think the last thing he did was he sent Morris you know a sum of money, which was uh, how much was it was it a thousand pounds British pounds uh, I forget I forget the exact number but it was quite a sum of money, 
he sent over the money, and of course it's changed over into U.S. dollars. But he never received the goods. Mm. Morris never sent him the hardware. And then so, and of course he waited months and months and months, and uh, nothing ever come, came of it. And his British customers, the British customers there were, were, were asking, "Where's our hardware? Where's our where's?" And, and of course the distributor there in the UK, he said, "Well, Morris is not sending the, you know, sending any hardware over." Finally, the person in the UK, he he had to pay out of his own pocket, out of his own mm. money. He had to pay back all the customers there in the in the UK, and he just shut down Commodore Scene uh, magazine. He shut down the Commodore Im- importing business because, yeah, Morris never provided any product for him. Do so do you do you his, actually know why why Morris never did what he promised? I mean, is there any reason? No. Was he overwhelmed uh, with too much stuff? I mean, being a race driver, making wheels, the operating system, taking over CMD? There is, after all these years, there is no good reason. I mean, no one has ever come up with a a plausible reason why Morris got out of Commodore. Because a lot of people were saying, yeah, we could help you out, Morris. We could do this, we could do that. But nothing nothing ever uh, got uh, planned or... uh, Weird. Nothing. There was no conclusion. Conclusion. Wrong word to use. <laughs> huh. No. No reason was ever given why Morris ever got out of Commodore. No. So weird. I don't understand it because he he knew this stuff. I mean, he would repair my mouse. He would be able to make a new operating system for Geos called Wheels. He knew right. all this stuff. So it's not like yes, he has he a lack. He has a lack of. He he planned upgrades to the CMD hard drive. Uh, he planned Wheels SC, which would be a 16-bit version of Wheels that mm-hmm. would run, okay. run totally within the that would run totally within the the Super CPU instead of making this hybrid, you know, which was Wheels, which was really eight 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 bit. But the, the the new operating system would be totally 16-bit because that's what the Super CPU is. It's 16-bit. So right. he. He had these plans on the board, but uh, they oh. never came out. Hmm. That's that's such a sad thing. And then the last thing I've read is he he, he actually announced in October two thousand nine that he's stopping all his Commodore sixty four business. Oh, I did not see that. And oh, um, I don't remember remember announcing it. Yeah, well, that's just what I found out. And um, actually. Most of the stuff like uh, Geos and and even Jiffy DOS and and all even this Swift Link, which was also uh-huh. distributed by CMD, most right. stuff no. is now doing by uh, is now done by Jim Brain actually. Uh, let's see, Jiffy DOS is done by Jim Brain and one other person who received licensing for Copperlight Computers Dos. does Jiffy DOS, I think. Um. I think there's actually a couple of people doing Jiffy DOS. There's more than just two. Oh, okay. And of course, there are SwiftLink clones that are out there. Right. No one has ever been able to replicate the Turbo 232. Though. That's not true. Uh, Jim, Jim, Jim Brain actually sold one. That is a replica of that. Um, one. <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, he's now working on an improvement. Um, right. I know I that about, because our webmaster. Um, I heard about that, but uh, huh. it is not widespread knowledge that uh, 
that there's a a, a run of a run a run of turbo 232s out there because it was I think it was supposed to reverse engineer the tur- turbo 232 but isn't there a chip on there that was hard to redo again because it's not around anymore that that was the, that was the feeling i got so well actually that's why the, that's, why, that's why the the swift link the swift link was easy to replicate but the turbo 232 took longer to to mm. do so on his store of Jim Brain called Retro Innovations, he actually has an he actually has a link to it. It's called uh, so this this um, replacement of the CMD Turbo cartridge is called Link Two Three Two UART cartridge. Huh? And, because and, Link Two Three Two is different than Turbo Two Thirty Two. And he says it's it's. Um, a replica with the exact functionality of the CMD Turbo 232. However, um, however, since the T3232 requires a, pr- a pr- programmable logic devices to support 100% functionality, we decided to simplify the design and support SwiftLink compatibility. Uh-uh. As the SwiftLink compatibility um, is a relatively simple design, replicating the functionality was not a difficult process. We took the opportunity to improve the design in one small way, memory mapping. While the original SwiftLink claimed all 256 locations in the output-input memory map of the C64, the Link 23 to reduces that to 16 locations. Um, so, so he writes, it's an enhanced version of um, of the Turbo 232, and he's actually working right now on a new, even more improved batch. Hmm. I don't know. Well, okay, because previously, previously, uh, what was his name? Um, Hamill. Okay, I remember his last name because his name is the same as the the Star Wars actor. <laughs> Star Wars actor. Uh, no, not Mark Hamill, but his name was uh, something 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 Hamill. Okay, so the previous person who did the the SwiftLink 232 clone, he put out his his clone, and also he put out another board called Link 232. Okay, okay and Link 232 was is supposedly a simpler device than the the SwiftLink 232. So, hmm. So actually he's working on the Link 232 UART cartridge, and he even put out Eagle schematics and PCB files, so you can make your own. Okay, the proof proof of the pudding, the proof proof is, if this is really a Turbo 232 cartridge, is to run a super CPU through it. Because the super CPU with a TurboLink 232 was supposed to get up to 230,000 CPS output, output throughput through the device, which is you know much faster than any other device. If you want something going that fast, transferring data, so I said, oh, 230,000, okay, very good. So that's the test. That's what that's what I say. <laughs> if something, okay, test it out with a super CPU. There you go. Hmm. So as as it writes, he's actually working on it. So, oh okay. If okay, that is good. true, because then know, we, there I, should be one 
out soon. <laughs> I know of another engineer here in California who's working. Let's see. He has his own... He has his own uh, SwiftLink clone or Link 232 clone over here in California. I believe he sells on eBay also. Hmm. So uh, he shows up at Maker Fair every year. His name is... And I'm forgetting his name. He's an Italian person who lives here in California. <laughs> Don't know. Well, this I can't guy. remember right now. Ah. So, 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 in this interview, we heard a lot of stories from all the strange people in the scene. <laughs> it's interesting because because oh, we interviewed all of them in the podcast. I've gotten myself. I've gotten myself into a lot of trouble now. I'm yeah. okay. <laughs> well, I I don't know which side of the story is true. I I just like to hear all the different sides. Mm-hmm. I I can't tell who is who is telling me the truth or not. Right. Fortunately, well, I mean, fortunately, it could be just I've never everyone. Never had an issue with anybody. <laughs> people remember things differently, so everyone could be telling the truth. You know. That's true. <laughs> uh. Well, fortunately, I never had a problem with anybody. I never got screwed over by Morris, Jens, or anybody else. I always got my stuff that I paid for. Oh, so I was good. always lucky. Yeah. lucky person, yeah. yeah, I've gotten screwed over by yeah, hardware people, uh, <laughs> software people, <laughs> people, people who make promises, people who don't keep promises, you know, various companies. Oh, good. oh okay, that... That Amiga accelerator, that well, yeah, one of the first ones, like like back in what was it, the late the the late early two thousands. Yeah, I went to England and and I buy I buy these. Ex- no, it was nineteen ninety eight, right? It was the World of Commodore show in London, England, in nineteen ninety eight, and it, thousands of people were there, and it was one of the last big Amiga events uh, that that ever happened, you know, with thousands of people being there, because now now Amiga shows here in the United States, or at least, well, not in the UK, but here in the United States, Amiga events are very tiny. But in the UK, back in 1998, it was giant. It was, it, was, it was huge there. And I remember two companies there, they were selling accelerators for the, 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 the Amiga 500. And I know the and, name of one of the companies. It would be Faith... Phase five. No, I didn't no. buy from them. I bought from other. Well, maybe. But 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 I can it, tell you yeah, why. I bought, I, no, it was it was it was a Blizzard. It was, yeah, I bought a Blizzard twelve forty. Yeah, and well, I can okay. I can tell you no why because three years ago, an an Austrian guy in Vienna created a company called Phase 5. Yeah, but we're talking about back in like the 90s, back way yeah, back Yeah, but let me, let me finish. And, and this guy from Vienna that created Phase 5 actually made an, a campaign on Indiegogo to, to get keycaps remade for the Commodore 64. Yes, okay. And everybody uh-huh. was like, aren't you the same guy that screwed people <laughs> Uh, screwed people over about this Blizzard um, accelerator card for the Amiga, and everybody's like, "No, that's a different company." So, but but it it, it has the same name, Phase Five. Oh, okay. So uh, everybody was like, "Oh, we are going them. to be screwed again." Phase Five Reloaded. There you go. Phase <laughs> the new Phase Five. There you go. Something like that. But yeah, they, 
I, I bought some accelerators there, or one accelerator and one other piece of hardware from two different companies there at, at the World of uh, World of Amiga. I'm sorry, I'm getting my names mixed up. World of Amiga show because World of Commodore is different. Because I went to the World of Commodore show back in the middle 1980s, and there were tens of thousands of people there at those shows in California. I went, whoa! So, uh, but the World of Amiga show in 1998, I was there in London, England, and you know I'm trusting, I'm tr- as a, a, a trusting person, you know I'm saying, oh, okay, I'm going to buy these accelerators, and and I don't have to do, you guys don't. Uh, I, I'm from America, so don't charge me the VAT, the VAT. Please don't charge me the VAT. They said, no, sir, we have to charge you the VAT. Just go to the airport and just say, just tell them, you know, claim claim the VAT there, and they'll give you your money back. And both companies told me that. And I, I, I asked them specifically about VAT, and both the companies uh, uh, said, oh, no, just go to the airport, go go back to London Gatwick and or London <laughs> London Heathrow, and as soon as you go there, you'll get your money back. So being the trusting person I am, you know, I went back, and I had packed everything up, and I was ready to leave back for the States. And I go up to, to customs. I said, okay, I, I bought these accelerators. Here are my receipts. Here are my receipts. Give me my money back. He said, no, sir. You have to have paperwork from the company. I went, huh? Wow. Okay. Uh, but but they told me just go up to the airport. And I'll get my money back. They said no. You have to get get paperwork from the company and and, and do it this official way. And, uh, and I thought to myself, no, this will take several days. <laughs> I'm here at the airport right now. They're ready to leave on my airplane. Mm. So and I remember emailing one of the companies saying, uh, you guys lied to me and I didn't get my my VAT my money back. They said, well. Uh, no, this is what we have told you, and if you mention any of this out in public, then we'll we'll be very angry at you. <laughs> wow. They were threatening me. They were threatening wow. me not to to make mention of this. I went, what? What kind of company is this? So, but both companies in the UK are out of business now. So I said, wow. oh, good. They they serves them right for for screwing their customers. Mm. You destroy my picture of. Oh, everybody is happy and fair and the Commodore 64 no, universe. No, no, the I'm Commodore 64 scene is a, is, a, is a mess sometimes. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, it's, it, well, I mean, it, it goes back, I, I suppose, all, yeah, it goes back to the 1990s. I, I, I remember going to the, the World of Commodore show, I believe it was 1985, at the Disneyland Hotel in, in the Los Angeles area, right there in Anaheim. And the World of Commodore show was a big show. Commodore business machines had set up, had taken up a lot of space at the Disneyland Convention Center, and and uh, they had all their booths out. And this was 1985. And and I walked up to the CBM people, the representatives, right there, all behind behind their their tables. They're looking very, you know, they're they're in their their suits and their ties and their dresses there. And and I asked them directly. I said, uh. Okay, I bought myself a Commodore 128, and this is 1985. I bought myself a Commodore 128, and I asked them directly. I said, okay, you guys came out with the Amiga 1000. Are you going to support Commodore 128 in the future? And, of course, they got angry at me and looked at me very, very angrily and said, of course we'll support the Commodore 128. 
<laughs> well, a few years later, of course, they discontinued the Commodore 128. <laughs> yeah, too bad. So, so even back then, uh, I was not getting the straight story from them. So I'm going, oh, okay, oh well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they continued with the Amiga. They stopped all, you know, they they stopped the 8-bit stuff, except for the C64, which went on till 1992. And with you know the new books coming out by Brian Bagnall, yeah, from the Amiga, I, I hear, yeah, I great. Oh, you mean this is why the Commodore LCD and the 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 Commodore 9000 never came out? You know, back in 1985, because CBM only had money to put out two machines. They did not have money to come out with four machines at the same time. Yeah. So, so, so the LCD, you know, the little laptop that I saw at a show, I said, oh, look, there's, there's, there's the Commodore LCD. Oh, when that comes out, I'll buy it. And, and I saw that at another World of Commodore show. But I was too scared to touch it because it was a prototype. My friend who was next to me, he touched it, but I never touched it. I said, oh, I'll buy that. But, of course, you know, the, the LCD never came out. The Commodore 9000 never came out. The Unix machine, it, it never came out because... Commodore threw all of its money into the Commodore 128 and the Amiga 1000. Ah, uh, too bad. <laughs> and that's the same story I got for for the Commodore 65, because the Commodore 65 was supposed to come out in what was it, 19, 1991? Yeah, yeah. It started development in 80, 89, and it was supposed to come out in 91, I believe. And uh, and Commodore Commodore only had so much money, and they said, "Okay, are we going to come out with with the the Commodore 65, or are we going to come out with the Amiga 600?" And they threw all their money at the the Amiga 600 and killed the Commodore uh, 65. Uh. <laughs> so that's the way it goes. I went, oh. Okay. Yeah, a 600, which was essentially but, the exact same thing as the 500, just smaller right. versus a... Smaller you know, and... Yeah. A built-in hard drive, that you, an option for built-in hard drive, and of course it had its little uh, uh, PCMCIA port on the side, which a lot right. of people liked. Right. But otherwise, yeah, it was just an Amiga 500, except smaller. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, <laughs> Commodore wanted to, to save money with the Amiga's... 600? No. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> the, Amiga, the Amiga 600 cost a little bit more than the Amiga 500 to produce. Mm-hmm. So, so, so uh, Commodore CBM was not saving any money there. <laughs> wow. Bad, bad decision there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, too so, bad. so we talked about your, your beginnings and all this. What, what makes you stick with the 64 and, and, and the Amiga and all that after all this time? I like, um, talking, talking, being around the computers, uh, looking at all the new developments coming out for them and, uh, explaining to people this is the way it was, this is the way it, <laughs> This is the way you can get back into Commodore. Uh, I like doing that. I think that's well. I, I'm a retired teacher now, so I suppose I'm I'm taking the position of a teacher now. I mean, okay, 
this here's the history of the machine this is the future of the machine and we have everything in between there so i like i guess i'm in a, a teaching role that's why i like going to maker fair and showing people this is the way it's done you can get back into it you, these are the new developments coming out of commodore or out of amiga uh, that's why i still do you know the commodore vegas expo or the pacific commodore expo it was interesting I, we had our first pacific commodore expo last year up in seattle washington and uh, and a lot of these people are are not commodore fans they're just museum museum goers they're going in to look at the old uh, computers in the museum and I would tell them the stories, and they said, we didn't know about that. We didn't know there's still new hardware or software coming out for the Commodore. We didn't yeah. know there's new hardware and software exactly. coming out for the Amiga. And I said, yes, there is. There's still quite quite a community out there. Get get back into it. Get involved in it. And we should also take into account that there are a lot of youngsters, you know, uh, being under 30 and and learning about the new uh, about the old stuff before they were even born you know um right so uh, for example i'm talking to somebody who is 20 and he's an expert in repairing crt tvs <laughs> you know and and that is something that's also a dying out art because uh, most radio and tv oh. technicians don't have this job anymore because there are no CRT TVs anymore. So the TFT TV guys are more like computer guys, you know. Right. If if any of our monitors go out over here and for the two clubs I belong to, I just bring the monitors, you know, the CRT monitors over to Ray Carlson, who's like all the way up in Washington State, 900 miles away. <laughs> When I'm up that way, I go, "Hey, Ray." Here, have some more monitors to fix. There you go. And, of course, he's a good old television repair technician. He knows how to fix them. You know, wow, it's good to have Ray around. But even Ray has, he, every time I visit Ray, he's asked, he, every time I, the last, like, two or three or four times I've visited him, and I see him, like, uh, two or three times a year when I drive up that way, that way, he says, Robert, do you know of anyone in the world who will take over what I do? I went, uh... All your knowledge, Ray, everything you understand about Commodore, uh, I don't see anyone taking over your your spot because because he's in his 70s now, early 70s, and he's thinking of the future and yeah. and and he's thinking about, you know, all of his all of his equipment he has there and all of his tools, diagnostic tools and who's going to take over and And I see no one right now who, who, who can take over what, the knowledge he has. I mean, oh, there's no one as knowledgeable. And yeah, that's that is why I think it was impressive that this guy is 20 and said like, oh, no problem. I fix uh, CRTs constantly, even for the hospital nearby and for other people. I'm doing it. I'm doing it regularly. I can fix yeah, well, any I CRT almost. <laughs> Like okay, so come here, fix mine, you know, because uh -huh. mine has a, a little picture problem, you know. Uh -huh. He says no problem. One of, one of the members of the Southern California, California Commodore and Amiga Network, uh, one of the members down there, he he is an engineer, a hardware engineer, a computer hardware engineer, and and he he's pretty knowledgeable. He he can work on Commodore and Amiga stuff down to the 
down to the motherboard level that and it, you know rebuilding traces on the motherboard and and figuring out you know which components are dead even on complicated amiga motherboards i'm going wow he could figure these things out and well maybe maybe he's the guy to to replace ray in the future i don't know i gave him an old msd drive a month or two ago and he diagnosed it and fixed it. He said, oh, Robert, all, all these capacitors that were leaking, they had to be replaced on on the MSD uh, dual disk drive here. Or, and then, uh, and then uh, this, this regulator was not putting out the proper voltage. That's why the MSD was not reading and writing correctly. But I replaced that regulator with a more modern regulator there. And, and all the traces that were corroded away by by acid from the leaking capacitors, I had to, you know, Make uh, I had to wire them up with little tiny wires, you know, jumping jumping the traces there, <laughs> connecting the traces, so that they would connect up again. I went, wow, that's a lot of work there. That's like down to Ray Carlson work right there. Guys, yeah, I tried to get this MSD working. And is he also in his twenties? He is in his, I believe, upper thirties. Ah, okay. So you see, there are young guys that can take over. You just have to find them. Right. I mean, I mean, I don't care if the person who repairs my TV is 20 or 50 or 60. As long as it's working and he knows what he's doing and not blowing it up and making it worse, I'm fine with anything, you know? That's right. Just, just get it working. That's <laughs> it, yeah. it may not look pretty. It may not look pretty, but as long as it's working, that's, that's my goal. I'm good. I'll just get it working. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the thing. You, nowadays, you have, you have Google, you have Wikipedia, you have YouTube. You can actually relearn some of the stuff if you try hard enough. Some of it, but a lot of it also takes intuition. Uh, just knowing, knowing that so, this is where to look for it or what's wrong with it. Because, because well, yeah, some intuition, fa some intuition fails if you're not... If you if you don't have the knowledge of how the machine works, like I took Ray Carlson, uh, well no, Ray Carlson gave me a a PET eighty thirty two. He says, Robert, I don't work on Commodore PETs because they are just uh, they are just too old. I have all the manuals. I can't get replacement parts anymore. Uh, this eighty thirty two I cannot get working. Here you could have it. You can use you could uh, put it in the raffle at, at the Commodore Vegas Expo. As a non-working machine, and maybe you mm -hmm. can get you know some raffle money for it to support the show. So this was uh, two years ago, yeah, two years ago, and uh, and at that time I brought in one of the CBM engineers, and wow. one of the CBM engineers he had worked on the Vic, the Commodore PET and the Vic Twenty. Okay. So uh, he he came to the show. He was our guest at the show, and he told stories about the early days of Commodore business machines and about Chuck Pedal and about, uh, you know, designing the Commodore PET and the VIC-20. It was all very interesting. And, of course, the, the video is up there on YouTube. But throughout that weekend, I said, here's a PET-8032 that we're going to auction off, we're going to raffle off. He says, I'll work on that. I said, huh? But you're supposed to enjoy the show. You're not supposed to work on this machine all weekend. No, he said, I'll work on it. And he enjoyed working on that 8032. He he saw it on Friday. He kind of got it going a, a little bit on Saturday where it would come up with the screen. And finally, by Sunday, it was all repaired. He said, Robert, 
I had to replace two chips. I had to jump this trace over here. And I went, what? That You got it working? It's fully functional? And he, he had to, he had to, he, he just knew. He said, well, the current, the, the flow of current goes this way. It, it, go, it inputs this way. It outputs this way. And I was just not getting the, the, proper, the proper way it was flowing through the system. And I told this story to Ray Carlson. And Ray Carlson says, oh, I wouldn't know that because I didn't design the machine. <laughs> Only a person who designed the machine would know that's the way it worked. <laughs> <laughs> so it took a CBM engineer to, to figure out what was wrong with the PET 8032. And we were just fortunate to get it going again. I said, up for raffle. Here it is, fully working, you know. <laughs> like it, was you, the most like... Amazing, it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. But he... I said, I said, you didn't have to do that. He said, no, I enjoyed working on the machine. It brought back a lot of memories. Uh, okay. Nice. Well, that's the way it is. Well, hopefully our devices keep on working a little bit longer. That's true. Just keep them running. That's what I say. And, well, of course, with the Ultimate 64 and the C64 Reloaded board out there, hey, the, they'll, they'll keep on going, except <laughs> under a different way they'll keep on going. <laughs> <laughs> there we are. Yeah, that's that's actually true. Yeah. So I so I wonder. I keep, I keep I keep thinking with these new boards coming out there, with all these FPGA solutions coming out there out there uh, for for the the Commodore sixty four or for the Amiga. I keep thinking, well, yeah, they they have their 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 hardware emulations out there, and thinking, well, yeah, they with with the ultimate. 64 with the, the the C64 reloaded. There should be a mode in there where you could accelerate them, yeah, just you know change the code or yeah, download really. some new code into yeah. there, and you you could have an accelerated C64 or uh, or you know. Isn't uh, that what the Mega friends... 65 guys are trying? Well, no, Mega 65 uh, guys are trying to make Are you talking about the C65. Are you talking about the Mega 65 people? Yeah. Yeah, but but uh, they well, also the, allow to to boost your boost boost your machine in a different mode and so on. I think. Are you talking about the vampire people, or are you talking about the Mega sixty five people? No, I'm talking about the Mega sixty five people. Oh, Mega sixty five. The the the. Um, <laughs> that's what I went to. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I went to Germany uh, last September for. I said, "Oh, I'm I'm here in the UK. I only have one day in the UK, and I have to fly out to Frankfurt and get over to Maker Faire Bensheim." Bens, I'm pronouncing it wrong. I know. Bens. Yeah, no, yeah, you're pronouncing it correct. Bensheim, it's correct. Yeah, okay. don't worry, you're doing it right. Okay, I am okay, but I, I went there because I was expecting to see Mega sixty five there. So I get to the show. No Mega 65. I went, oh, I wasted all my money, <laughs> which is basically 500 U.S. dollars, <laughs> uh. to fly from, from uh, London Gatwick to Frankfurt, get a hotel, and then, you know, and, and then fly back, and there was no Mega 65. I went, oh, okay, oh, well, oh, well. <laughs> oh, but back to the story. Back, back to the story, yes. Uh, so Mega 65 is... They're using a very fast computer, very fast implementation, a very fast FPGA board. But of course, it'll be just clocked down to what the Mega 65, I'm sorry, what the C65 is supposed to be running, you know, at, at that speed, 
what's the the C sixty five supposed to be running at? Three point five megahertz, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, around about that. Yeah. So they they just they're just gonna run it at a slower speed. But of course, I suppose I guess you could clock it up if you <laughs> if they have a a reason to clock it up. Which reminds me, I have to invite Paul Lassa, who 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 showed off his C sixty five, his Commodore sixty five number one, serial wow. number number one. He showed it off at the, the Amiwest show last October on Friday night. I went, oh, I'm looking at a fully functioning C sixty five serial number one in front of me. And he showed he ran the 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 C sixty five demo disc. I went, oh, the C sixty five came with a demo disc. What? And he's running that in front of you know the crowd of people there with our our jaws our mouths wide open, <laughs> and it's displaying all these images in C sixty five mode. We're going, holy cow! Look at that resolution. And then he turns it into you know he turns on C sixty four mode. He drops it into C sixty four mode. We're going, holy cow! Look, there's C sixty four mode right there. And I had to invite him. I, uh, I I made him the invitation to to come to the Commodore Vegas Expo, and hopefully I he'll ac- accept my invitation. Say, Paul, remember back in October you said you were interested in coming to Las Vegas. Uh, we'll we'll pay for your hotel and your your flight. You want to come over to Las Vegas and and show off the the Commodore 65 and be one of our honored guests because you were a a CBM engineer who worked on on the the Commodore 65 hardware. If he's if he's saying no, I'm more than willing to take the spot. <laughs> but of course, I, w- I w- of course I would tell him. I would say, do not leave your C65 in the room. Always take it with you every night back <laughs> yeah. to your room. Do yeah. not leave it in the exhibit hall because that is a most valuable machine there. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well. Um, I, H A. I don't remember for how much it was sold, but wasn't wasn't oh, it was wasn't, like eighteen thousand uh, dollars or some ridiculous amount. Yes, for and one it with even, that, it didn't work. It had no. Yeah. It didn't have the the custom chips that it needed, and it's not like yeah. they're making oh. them. So the, the Vic three was missing. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So so no, eighteen thousand for non working version. Uh, his was his was fully working. I I did ask Paul about that. I said, Paul, did the Mega sixty five people contact you? I mean, for you know, advice on their design. He says, "Well, they contacted me initially, but they haven't they haven't recontacted me for anything else." I went, "Oh, okay. I guess they don't need you. <laughs> They're just going on, you know, the way they want to go on." Okay. It would be nice to to be in contact constantly with an original, you know, Commodore engineer, but they don't want to do that. So, okay. Hmm. Well, I, I can't comment on that. I mean, the two times we spoke to them, they seemed to have a pretty good idea of what they need to do. Didn't sound didn't sound like they had no idea what they were doing. So, I'm co- I'm confident it will be a good product. But it will be an interesting run, you know. Jens Schönfeld with his Reloaded, then uh, Gideon Schweitzer with his Ultimate 64, Mega 65. There are a lot of clones coming out. And the C sixty four mini. When the right. when the Mega sixty five does come out, I will buy it uh, because back in the day, back in, you know in the early nineteen nineties, I wanted to buy one. In fact, I called, I called the grapevine group up in New York State. I called them from California. I said uh, because they were still advertising in the Commodore magazines that we had here in the states. Wow. You know, grapevine group. We have 
we have uh, we have C65s in stock. In stock. <laughs> so you know, I I called them up. I said, uh, you have a C65. I'm ready to buy. And they said, no, we're out of stock on them. I went, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> out on stock well they never have been properly sold so that's right they, they, Good joke. the grapevine group the grapevine group was just a uh, reseller of uh, of hardware of you know obsolete obsolete hardware of hardware that 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 did not sell right <laughs> mm, interesting they would sell they would sell old old machines like uh, what was it like uh, Uh, B-128s, yeah, pick up a B-128 for cheap, but a B-128, of course, back then I didn't have an interest in a B-128. Of course, nowadays, I have a B-128. <laughs> well, if so, you knew yeah. back then that the stuff was valuable so much, 30 years later, you would have bought tons of them, you know? That's true, see, we, we did not know back then. Yeah. So, oh well, hindsight is just that you can't go back you can only go forward but when the mega 65 comes out yeah I'm, i'm i'll be i'll be ready to buy because i wanted to have a c65 back then in fact i was telling uh back then i was i was telling my friends i said oh if the c65 comes out i'll buy it right away and of course it never came out mm. so here he goes to your second chance let's try my second chance <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> That's actually actually a good question. So, what's your next plan? My next besides plan? What do you besides mean? getting a Mega sixty five, do you have any plans? What to do with your hobby? Any goals? Anything? Any goals? Well, let's see. My goal, my goals right now. I'm, I'm just thinking as I usually have. I'm going make make a fair in May, Pacific Commodore Expo in June. And uh, Commodore Vegas Expo in August. So those are my three goals right now, just to get ready for those shows, to have something to exhibit at those shows, to to make sure everything is organized for those shows, and and uh, so that especially with the Pacific Commodore Expo and the Commodore Vegas Expo, since since those are those are the ones that I organize, I I, I make sure that there's, there's a lot of stuff to entertain the people coming in. That they're well taken care of, that they, they can, that they come away with, from the show with a, a good experience. So that that's what I uh, I want to have done. Uh, hardware wise, I don't know. If you like, yeah. uh, I'm not thinking of I'm not thinking of hardware. I'm, I'm thinking of you know if the hardware comes out, if it's good enough, then I'll buy it. <laughs> so well, like la last last year, the Vampire 500 came out for the. For the the the, the Amiga uh, 2000 and Amiga 500, I said, oh, okay, I'll buy it. It's out, okay. So as as soon as the hopefully when the the the, the waiting list on the Ultimate 64 is better, <laughs> hopefully I'll I'll get a Ultimate 64. I'm I'm still hoping. Gideon just has to has to uh, fulfill the first 100 orders, and then he he says, "Oh, I'm gonna make another run of 400 of them after that." I said, "Okay, I'll be in that second run of uh, Ultimate uh, uh, 64s." Hopefully. I got I got one of the last first spots, fortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah. But sometimes I think I need a second job so I'm able to buy everything retro <laughs> because there's so well, much coming out. 
I can't have everything, so there there is a limit. So yeah, that's problem. So um, any plans regarding your user group? Let me think about that. Uh, no, again we have our Fresno Commodore user group once a month, so we meet once a month, and and then uh, we do have the Southern California Commodore user group that meets every two months. So we have uh, yeah, I have two meetings to go to in in March, mm -hmm. one in. Fresno and the other one in Southern California, so that's two user groups to go to. Um, I am picking up a lot of uh, software and hardware from from people who are in the last few months they're getting out of Commodore due to old age, and they just want to give their hardware or software away. Wow. Okay. So, so I have to I have to drive around and visit the Los Angeles area or the San Francisco area and say, okay, I'm here. I'll pick it up. I'll distribute it to our club members. And, of course, if the club members in our in my groups, if they don't want the free hardware or software, then I said, oh, okay, this is more stuff to bring over for the Commodore Vegas Expo. Put it on the freebie table. <laughs> or put it on the table to sell for a few dollars so we can make, make nice. some money for the show. Because the show is very expensive to put on especially Las Vegas, for a little uh, 900, okay, I'm using, sorry, I'm using feet, square feet, for a little 900 square foot room. It's like uh, $1,900 for two days. I went, whoa, wow. the price is very high, so wow. we have to pay for the room so we could stay, we could stay in the black so we don't go in the red. <laughs> so it's a hard, it's hard trying to break even, uh, trying to, you know, stay, stay solvent, it's hard to you know pay off for a nineteen hundred dollar room, so. Hmm. We we Especially actually with our, our tiny show. Actually, we never spoke about that. But um, this user group meetings, what is a typical day looking like? Uh, the Fresno Commodore user group. We have about oh I don't know our user group can uh, meeting is about eight to ten people. And it's not like the Netherlands Commodore Show where they have 100, 120 people come to their <laughs> every two months to their their meeting there in the in in the Netherlands. Um, no, we have our little uh, eight to ten people who come in and uh, to our user group. We start at 11 in the morning. Usually we go till four or five in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And people, mm. you know, some people pick, trickle in later. Some people leave early. But yeah, we usually we go usually go that long for a Southern California meeting. We begin we we begin at two in the afternoon, and we usually have about eight to ten people will show up for that. Also, um, we start at two in the afternoon. We're out of there by maybe about five or six o'clock in the evening. Oh, um, uh, we do not go as long as the Melbourne as the Amiga user group in Melbourne. <laughs> okay, because I visited Australia. <laughs> wow! I visited Australia a couple of years ago, and I went to their user group meeting. They start at two in the afternoon. Okay, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, this will be you know a few hours. I'll be at this user group meeting, and the uh, the Amiga user group of Melbourne, Australia, they are into uh, Amiga and the C64. Okay, okay. So even though they're called the Amiga user group of Melbourne, they're into 8-bit machines also. Okay. So, okay. So. So I'm at my hotel. I'm waiting for a ride to get to the user group meeting because the weather is terrible. I come at the very end of the Australian winter. Okay. And it's just raining and the weather is cold. And okay. Let's see. And uh, I wait for my ride. My ride finally okay. comes. 
I get to okay. the user group meeting. I'm going, oh, no, I'm here at 3 o'clock. I'm one hour late for the meeting. Sorry, sorry, I'm here one hour late. Here, here's some, Ameri- here's some California chocolates. I put it on their snack table. Here are some chocolates here, all from California. Eat the California chocolates. And I'm there from 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And of course, their meeting started at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But okay. no, their meeting went all... Their meeting went all the way till two o'clock in the morning. I went, <laughs> what? This user group meeting went up for twelve hours, and I was there eleven of the twelve hours. Holy cow! <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't really matter that you were late one hour. Yeah, that's right. I went, wow, that is the longest user group meeting I've ever been to. And of course, people would come and go. Some people would show up late. Some people would leave early. You know, we'd go out for a little bit of food to eat. We'd come back to the user group meeting. People were still there, you know, playing on the computers. I went, wow, okay, okay. It's impressive <laughs> that the computer's not giving up after so many hours. <laughs> oh, well, let's see. My, my, my friend Darren, Darren Stewart, he had an Amiga... 4,000, which became burning hot. I would wait. I said, wait a minute. I, I said, Darren, this is not normal. Your hard drives right here, they, they should not be toasty hot. <laughs> they should not get this hot. I'm sorry. You'll, I, maybe you should, you should look into, you know, the solid state, solid state hard drives or <laughs> to make your wow. Amiga 4,000 last longer because these things are just, just unbelievably hot. They shouldn't be yeah. that hot. Yeah. 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 I see. Okay, Robert. Well, so I would say um, thank you very much for so many stories. Oh, my God. This was a lot we talked about. It was too much. (laughs) Well, there's never too much. It was interesting to listen to. Um, Well, thanks for taking the time. Oh, you're welcome. Now it's time to take my mother off to the Chinese New Year celebration (laughs) before they close. (laughs) Okay. Enjoy. Have a good time with her in the celebration. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. You too. And uh, have a good time wherever you are uh, out there in Germany. And uh, AJ, wherever you are also. (laughs) I'm I'm in Maryland, so I'm a little bit closer. Oh, you're in Maryland? Ah, that's no problem. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.